Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We are just 48 hours away from A-Rod Day. I got to hand it to Sean. He's pulling out all the stops. This studio is going to be dressed up. I saw this big banner that's being prepared. There are t-shirts. <laughs> I mean, my God. The town's buzzing. The town is buzzing. We are two days away from A-Rod Day. We look forward to that, but I come to you in a melancholy mood on this fine Wednesday afternoon, on this Valentine's Day. Why melancholy? Because I happened to see about 10 seconds of the Kansas City Chiefs parade. <laughs> and while why, I was, why did that depress you? I'll tell you why. And I wasn't rooting against the Chiefs. I was rooting for the Chiefs. It has nothing to do with the Chiefs. I saw the parade. And I remembered being at one. I remembered mm. 4,390 days ago being at the last major championship won in this town. And I want to clarify, the four major sports with the major teams that have a history. No offense to NYCFC, no offense to the Liberty. But 4,390 days ago, I, like many others, was at a parade. It wasn't for my own team. Mm -hmm. It was for your football team. It was for Sean's football team. It was the New York Giants on February 7th, 2012. It has been a long-ass time. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's have that uncomfortable conversation. As Bill Goldberg would say, who's next? (laughs) Who is going to be that team to bring us our very next parade? Is it going to be the New York Rangers? Is it going to be my New York Jets? Is it going to be the New York Knicks? Who the hell is it? We will talk to you about it, but I'd like to start the honors. Can I start the honors? Go ahead. The team that will win the next championship in this town, it's a very simple answer. I want you all to play a game with me. Whether you are my age at the age of 40, whether you're a little bit younger, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture the parade. I want you to imagine that afternoon with the sun shining and a million people being in the streets of New York City. When you close your eyes, can you imagine orange and blue for the Knicks or the Mets? No, you can't. (laughs) Stop. When you close your eyes, can you imagine green and white for the New York Jets? No, you can't. Mm. If you close your eyes, can you imagine the Giants? Sort of. But then you realize Daniel Jones is your quarterback. And you know that ain't happening. So, folks, there's only one right answer, and it pains me to say it. And that answer is your New York Yankees. Look, just because you can see it doesn't mean that's the one that's closest to winning that's the championship. That's a big part of it, T. I mean, look, seeing it is because it's in your recent memory. Like, if that was the case, then, like, what you're espousing here, then the Jets would never win a championship. Correct, Tiki. Because you and no Jet, I mean, I guess the older Jet fans have seen this, but most Jet fans under, you know, 50-something, eight, mm-hmm. 
have never seen them. Yes. And so how can they visualize it? The uniforms look different. Television was like fuzzy at that point. Yes. It was it, it wasn't technicolor. The green didn't look like the green that you see on the little dolls that you have here on your desk. So of course you can't visualize it. But I'm surprised and shocked that with the whole Aaron Rodgers hype and the great defense and everything else that you talk about, yeah. the, predict, uh, the, the prediction of the offseason for this New York Jets uh, team, yeah. that you're not saying it's the Jets. It's not the Jets. I, I mean, you, when we, <laughs> the Jets. Like, the, to me, the one that jumps like immediately to the top of my head. Wait, so before you give your answer, you're saying you do not think it's the New York Yankees? Uh, I, I mean, it could You're disagreeing be. with me. That's fine. I think there are teams in the way of the Yankees. Well, there's teams we're not, in everybody's Because we're not just talking about winning, you know, a, a conference and going to their respective championships or the NBA Finals or the Super Bowl or or the or the the World Series. We're talking about winning the whole thing. That is correct. Yes. Right? I think yeah. about I think about the Yankees and all. And so I, I the Astros jump to mind. The Baltimore Orioles, who are now nouveau rich with a new owner, they jump to mind. Who knows what they're going to end up doing over the next couple of years? The, the, hell, the L.A. Dodgers. You got to get through the Dodgers. who just spent a billion-plus dollars on two guys right. to get better. And they're probably not done in over the next couple of years. So I, when you say the Yankees, like I think luck has to happen for the Yankees to get there. Well, if it's not the Yankees, who then is it? To me, the only one that jumped at the top of my mind was yeah. the Knicks. Let's go Knicks. <laughs> I'm, I'm being serious. Because <laughs> hold on, you got to hear me out, dude. Stop laughing. Stop. Stop it. Uh, what's what was the hyena and and uh, the Lion King? <laughs> right, the Knicks. The Knicks. Think because think about the sport yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. You got to have. You gotta. You have the greatest quarterback in the world. You don't have a good offensive line. Guess what? You're not winning, right? right? Or your defense is porous. You're not winning. And in baseball, all you gotta do is not have a good closer or a good bullpen. You have the best starting rotation in baseball. You get through six innings, you're screwed. So it's 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 hard. You gotta hit in a timely matter when it man when it matters. In basketball. If you have a star, like a superstar, yeah. and I'm not saying the Knicks have one yet. Well, you kind of just, are because you're hey, saying they're going to win a title. If, if, I'm not saying they're winning it this year. In, in Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle and now and now the big ragu, um, Dante DiVincenzo, you have like a core. And if you, for whatever reason, in some way, found a star, mm-hmm. like a superstar, whether you, that's a draft pick or that's uh, a trade or whatever it is, in basketball, you can go win like now. And so to me, the Knicks, who incidentally have the six shortest odds this season. Yeah. This year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This year. Yeah, this season. If they in some capacity find that star and that that puts them over the top, they could win. I'm not saying this year, but I see it happening quicker than the New York Yankees. Wow. I gotta tell you, when I Thought about this long and hard this morning, and, and I said, "Was the hyena from 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 the lion king?" Yeah, that's I'm what so, you sounded like. I thought, well, you said something funny. <laughs> what do you want to do? Funny? I'm being realistic. That realistic. was my gut. That realistic. was my gut reaction. When I thought about this, and I wanted to give an honest answer, and I wanted to exclude my fandom because I think my fandom hurts me. You know, being a Jet fan and being a Met fan mm-hmm. makes me probably more negative. If we're being perfectly honest. Like it makes me, it makes it more difficult for me to picture everything working out for the Jets and them being the team to break this snide. But really, my debate came down to two teams, and the Knicks weren't one of them. 
It was the other team at Madison Square Garden huh. that you guys show no respect to. Rangers. And that's the New York Rangers. Yeah. Who, by the way, see, there are a few factors here. That would be an uninformed uh, pick for me. That's okay. <laughs> I, I need Sean to give me uh, insights well, on that. Well, Sean's a Ranger fan. and I Bitch, New York Ranger I, fan. And I respect that. And I'm going to give you my thinking behind my Yankee Ranger debate. And we'll get Sean's answer, too. And we'll talk to you as well, 877-337-6666. You know what matters to me? Have you done it before? Mm. That's what matters to me. That's a part of it. Like, when I say I close my eyes and I picture it, a part of it is the franchise. A part of it is have I seen it in my lifetime. I've seen the Yankees do it many, many times in my lifetime. I've seen them do it with a couple of different incarnations, really, too, because I think that 09 team was different than the one that did it in 96, 98, 99, 2000. But do you have anybody in that building who's done it? Mm. Now, the New York Yankees have a general manager that's done it as much as you guys all seem to hate him. First baseman. You've got a first baseman that's done it. Mm -hmm. You've got some guys that have done it. The New York Rangers added a head coach that's done it. They have a head coach now in Peter LaViolette who's done it. And by the way, that matters. And that's where I said, you know what? They are leading their division. They have had the playoff tests over the last couple of years. They're a growing team. So I thought about the Rangers, and I admit that. They're in this conversation, Ranger fans. You are in it. To me, as an independent observer, because all my teams suck and will never win anything, that was the fight that I had. Yeah. But the New York Yankees, the New York Yankees, are a franchise and an organization that all of us, I don't care how young you are right now, you've seen it. You've pictured it. It happens. Yankee droughts don't exist. Ranger droughts exist. Nick droughts exist. Every other team we watch in this town have droughts, and they damn well exist. The Yankees don't. So while I'm not sitting here telling you it's going to happen this year, if you put that proverbial gun to my head, what organization do I trust the most? What organization do I look at and say, they'll get it done? You're damn right it's the New York Yankees. For you to wrap your legs around the New York Knicks is comical well, at best. Well, it's only because the Knicks, in bat, it's because of the sport that they're in. Yeah, but they're, it's more difficult to win a title in that sport. I know, but if you get a superstar, like a legit superstar. Do they have one? No, they don't. So if but you don't even think they have one, okay. then how can you argue are, it? Okay, so are the Yankees winning a championship this year? They have an absolute opportunity to, yes. Are, are they Are they getting through the, the Orioles who yeah, they didn't they, last year? They could, are they getting yes. through? They were pretty f- <laughs> are they are they getting through the Astros? I give them a chance. Yeah. Are, are they beating the L.A. Dodgers? I, the, the, the oh, do you want me to play that game with the Knicks? Are they beating the Boston Celtics? Yes, are they beating they the Denver Nuggets? Yes, they could. Oh, and the Yankees can't beat the Astros? The Yankees can't beat the Orioles? I of course they can. I, well, I, you talk about the, the image of them winning a championship because they've most recently done it, and it's visible in your mind however many days ago you said it was. 4,390 days ago was the I Giants. Also, so you got to a little yes, bit more for the Yankees. I also remember these last few championship series that they've been in. And the last one was horrendous. Terrible. Think about what you just said, though. Think about what you just said. You're thinking about the last few LCSs and playoffs they were in. To win a championship, you've got to get there. They've at least shown you they can. When's the last time the Knicks competed in an Eastern Conference Finals? But I think you're missing my point. In basketball, when you find a superstar, and I'm not saying the Knicks have one right now. I love Jalen Brunson. I think most Knicks fans do. But they have all of these assets, and we know what they're saving them for. They're saving them for that one discontent superstar who who they can pry away with 
five first-round draft picks or whatever the heck the compensation is going to be right. and bring them to the Knicks, and that puts them over the top, especially if you get to hold on to yeah. all these other but, but pieces G, that G, have developed G, into you're... very reliable and solid you know, parts, but despite the big plan, right now. But hold on. Your plan is— And I think that's happening sooner rather than later, you, by the way. You may be right, but think about this. Your plan is about the Knicks doing something to get to that level. Yeah. And my answer is the Yankees can do it right now. The Yankees are a championship contender going into 2024. Right, so, so you, don't, you don't think that the that the Knicks, we have to assume health, right? We, we have to say all these guys are I'll do that with the Yankees, too, so, if you want. Sure. What, of course you do. Because if the Yankees are hurt, we know what happened. They win. They barely get the 500, and we celebrate having a non-losing season. But the Knicks, assuming health— mm-hmm. They can't. They can beat these teams in the East. No, I don't. I disagree. I don't think they're better than the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics lost to the Lakers. What does that mean? Five hundred. What? So the Knicks lost to the Rockets the other night. What the hell does that mean? But nobody was playing. So now we're going to quantify these regular season games? Absolutely. I've seen the Yankees get to an LCS and lose to a borderline dynastic team. The Knicks haven't done it yet. And your whole point is they're going to get a star. The Yankees go in the World Series this year. They've got two of the best players in baseball. they got one of the best pitchers in baseball. You believe that? I think they are in the short list of teams that can win because the World the Series. Because yes. the only way yes. your argument makes sense to me is if the Yankees are winning a World Series this season. This year. Because Juan Soto's gone next year? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Well, partly. But <laughs> he the, may the, be. The roster looks different a Look, year from now. The Yankees. Garrett Cole is a year older a year from now. But, but here's the difference, though. You're right about Aaron Judge is in his prime. Garrett Cole's in his prime. I've said this before. You don't know how long that's going to last. I give you that. Juan Soto's a free agent. He may be on another team next mm-hmm. year. I don't disagree with that. But the Yankees have shown, even in this drought that they're in, and they're in a championship drought, that they're good just about every single year. And in baseball, unlike the NBA, if you get to the playoffs and get hot at the right time, even a mediocre team like the Diamondbacks can get to the World Series. So if I'm putting my money on any team to get hot at the right time, first of all, the Knicks aren't even in my discussion. Mm. To me, I was debating the Yankees and the Rangers. And I tried to talk myself into the Jets, and I tried to talk myself into the Mets. The problem with the Mets is I have to wait. I need everyone to not win for a year or two. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to play that game. You're playing that game because your assumption is the Knicks won't win this year, but they could win next year. Yes. Well, Th- that's I got what, a better shot. To, I got a better shot to be right if my team wins this year. If the team I'm saying wins now, then you don't even get a crack. Like if the Yankees win the World Series this year, then the Jets and Giants don't even have a crack to be right because they didn't even get to finish their season. Well, I mean, the Jets obviously have to go through a really tough AFC. They do, and the dynasty that is the Kansas City Chiefs. The New York. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That's suck. Chance to get to a championship. The Giants are 32 players away, so I'm not even talking about them. The Rangers, again, honestly, I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head whether or not how they how they stack up against the rest of, of NHL. But in basketball, this is less about who the Knicks have to beat. It's who they are going to acquire in the very short term. So At least that's what I and I think a lot of Knicks fans think and hope. You no, know, you're very convenient. It's not about who the Knicks can't beat, but it is about who the Yankees can't beat. It's about how they can't be yes, the Astros. Because the Yankees, <laughs> I'll call it, because what we're talking about with the Yankees is is immediate. 
It's right now. Yes. In order for you to be right, I think the Yankees got to win right now. Can they win the World Series this year? I I don't know. Of course they can. <laughs> they can. It doesn't mean I think they are. It doesn't mean every Yankee fan is peacocking around so, this city. So much but has of course to happen. they have a chance. So They're on the short list. To, so much has to happen for them to, to win the World Series this well, year. Well, so much has to happen for the Knicks to win the title that you just laid Not out. Not a ton. You, they got to get another star, you basically said. Yes. And they have all of the assets to do so. Do they not? Am I wrong? <laughs> you're not wrong, but you're wrong, if that makes any sense. <laughs> no. All right, Sean, what team? It's definitely the Rangers. It's definitely the Rangers. It's 30 years since 1994, a year, by the way, the team on ice finished things off. Number two, right now they have the fifth biggest odds, if you care about that. And they've come out of this all-star break where everybody was questioning the goalie, scorching hot, and Shesterkin threw a shutout the other night, and the assets and the cap space to make big trades at their trade deadline, which is insanely long down the stretch. By the way, newsflash, it's a good thing. I don't necessarily agree with you on the Knicks. There's a chance we see three parades before the foot next football parade happens. <laughs> We're actually in the mix in all of these see, sports. The Rangers and the Yankees have an advantage over the Knicks, and it's the sport that they play. Yeah. And what I mean by that is the New York Rangers are proving year in and year out they're going to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now, last year, it ended very, very early, unfortunately for them even though some Ranger fans thought that they were advancing immediately after they took that early series lead against New Jersey. But they were there. Some did. They were there, and it flamed out too early. A year before that, they went on a run that I don't think a lot of us expected, getting all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals where they had a lead in Game 3 up Mm 2-0. They were on the doorstep of getting to a Stanley Cup Final. The NHL is the kind of sport where if you're in the playoffs, something the Devils and Islanders are just fighting to get there. Yeah. If you're in the playoffs, you have as good a chance as anybody to get hot at the right time and go on a run. Baseball's kind of the same way. Unfortunately, that's the way baseball yeah. is now, but- where if you can make the playoffs, you give yourself that opportunity to get hot at the right time. But the divider for me, like you talked about experience, Rangers coach and several Rangers players have done it. Have won the Stanley Cup. I know. Where I'm very scared off by the Yankees. I understand. The negative towards an NBA team is that that's not how the sport works. You don't get hot and win championships. Now, Miami proved you can get hot and get to an NBA Finals. I'll give them that if you want to go down that argument. But for the most part, that's not how you win a title in the NBA. But in Major League Baseball and the NHL, and this is why the Yankees and the Rangers were my debate. That was what I was fighting myself with. Two teams I don't even like, by the way. It's not like I'm arguing among teams I love. Two teams I don't even like. The argument was, both these teams can win this season. Both these teams can win this season, and it ain't that crazy. Mm. And that's the built-in advantage those two teams have over a team like the Knicks and even a team like the Jets. Because I don't think the NFL's like that anymore. For a long time, the NFL felt... Like, you know what? Just make the playoffs and get hot. And you know what the proof of that is? Hate to be disrespectful. The New York Giants. Yeah. You guys were proof of that in 2007 and 2011 where you weren't that good. You got hot at the right time. And guess what? You win Super Bowls. Can't take anything away from you. Look at these last few Super Bowls. Yeah, I don't think that's the case anymore. It's over. It doesn't get, it doesn't, you get waxed by the better teams. No doubt. And then, because, and especially because the, the better teams are outliers. Every single year, it feels like. The Ravens this year and the Kansas City Chiefs, they're just outliers. They're better than the average. And eventually, those teams are going to win. It's like the Giants in the playoffs a year ago. Yeah, it was great to beat the Minnesota Vikings, who were your peer-tier type of squad. But you go against the Philadelphia Eagles, who were deep on both sides of the ball last season, two seasons ago, and they just waxed you every single time you played them. So 
I, I agree with you. That hot team doesn't work in football. And anymore. look, here's the other problem for any of my fellow Jet fans who say, come on, you guys have barely spent any time on our Jets, Aaron Rodgers, world-class defense. Why not us? Instead of just assaulting Robert Sala for five minutes, I'll tell you the thing that stands in our way, and it's daunting, and it's on TV today. It's Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. And in the NFL, unlike Major League Baseball, and unlike the NHL, where you never know, get hot at the right time, let's go. I can't say that in football. I can't say it at all. Yeah. So I wish. Football didn't cross my mind. That's because you hate the Jets, though. No, I don't. I love the Jets. <laughs> you don't love or I love Nate Hackett. All <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll get to your calls next. Who is it? Who is that team that's closest to a championship? Who is that team that's going to be the next team to give us a parade? A parade we haven't seen in this city from any of our four major sports franchises, four major sports, and the franchises that play that sport in 4,390 days. Who is it? I go with the chalk. I think it's the Yankees. Tiki's high right now. He thinks it's the Knicks. <laughs> Sean's a big puck guy. He thinks it's the Rangers. 877-337-6666. We'll get to your calls. Plus, we'll check the odds. Who does Vegas think has the best chance at winning a championship? Evan and Tiki on the fan. I'm looking at images of the people of Kansas City at their parade celebrating a Chiefs championship. And as I've wondered to start the show, who's our next team to win a championship? It's been a long, long drought. And Tiki Barber very confidently thinks it's the New York Knicks. Stop laughing. It's kind of funny. It's not funny. <laughs> but I want to compliment you. Go ahead. Even if they're not the next team to win a title, the mm-hmm. one compliment I'll give the Knicks and you is that if the Knicks are the next team to win a title, yep. I believe they will have the most people at their parade. Let's sure. go Knicks. They would have the biggest parade what? turnout no, the, of the, any the, team to win a championship. No, the Jets would, wouldn't they? They would not. Why not? The, the Jets have been waiting for this for eons. I mean, they've waited for it for five years longer than the Knicks. It's not, <laughs> you know, what's the difference? That's a good point. I have my reason, though. That's a good point. You I put ha- it that way. I have a reason that will clearly identify why it's the Knicks. First of all, this is a split town in football. There are plenty of people that are not Jet fans, including everybody I'm around right now. You're not a Jet fan. Luke's not a Jet fan. Sean's not a Jet fan. So you guys are not showing up at the parade. The Knicks have a bigger lion's share of the fandom in this town. But there's something else that you're leaving out that makes it obvious. Which is? We're very soft, as you talked about yesterday, with people not showing up in cold weather. Hope you had a good time at your dance, Sean. That's right. Damn right. (laughs) I'm just joking. A parade for the Jets would be in February. A parade for the Knicks would be in June, early July. I didn't think about it. Which means the bikinis are out. (laughs) Weather. The weather's nice. The booze is pop. Like, it's just, it's a party. Like, even if you don't know basketball or care about basketball, you would show up to that parade because it's just an excuse for two million people to, you know, hang out. Hey, do I want to go to work today or do I hang out at the parade and have some beers? Exactly. Exactly. Keg and roll it down the street. Now, with that's a good point. Thank you. Now, with that said, I looked at the betting odds right now, and the betting odds are very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. First of all, do you know what team has the worst odds of winning a championship this season? New York Giants, one hundred to one. The Giants are second worst. There's one other franchise (laughs) that has worse odds than the New York Giants. (laughs) Who would that be? Not that difficult. The Brooklyn Nets. The Nets still in the league. They're (laughs) six hundred to one. Jeez. The New York Giants are 150 to 1, which is 50, which is 31st in the NFL. There is only one team in the league 
that has worse odds at winning a championship. By the way, I was surprised by that. Carolina Panthers? The Carolina Panthers? You You were surprised by the Panthers or surprised by the Giants? I was surprised that the Giants were 31st. I mean, you think of it because the season hasn't fully, like the offseason and the roster build hasn't started. So they're... There are 32 players that aren't going to be on their team. Well, a lot of and teams are free agents. I, but 32? And they got to replace all of them? And there is zero certainty at quarterback. True. I think, f- that, I, think, I think that number will change if or when Daniel Jones or whoever the quarterback is is identified and healthy. I don't think they're winning a Super Bowl, but there were five worse teams than them, and they are still a year removed from, with that quarterback, making the playoffs or winning a playoff yeah, game. It just those feels those extremely are, disrespectful. It's almost like they're just daring Giant fans to take it. They Seriously, disrespect the Giants with to totals one. Hundred and fifty yeah. to one. All right, Giant fans, you know you're going to be better than that. I, I do. Take, I'm, take the bet. I'm surprised. I wouldn't have thought thirty first. The Islanders are sixty five to one. The Mets are fifty to one. Then you got the Jets at thirty to one, and then the Knicks. And here's what's fascinating about the Knicks: two weeks ago, the Knicks were thirty four to one. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're eighteen to one. So they've had their odds double. In terms of more likely, yeah, just over the last few weeks. And if you want to tell me it's the trade deadline, you want to tell me it's the way they had played until recently. Uh, that is a huge jump, by the way. And they're tied to go from thirty-four to eighteen, and they're tied with the Suns. That's that's plus sixteen hundred, right? Eighteen. That's plus sixteen hundred with the Suns. Yes. So, and that's fifth in the league. The other teams that are up there, I said the Jets are thirty to one. The Devils are twenty-four to one. The Rangers are eleven to one, and the favorites are your New York Yankees mm. at eight to one. Mm. So Vegas agrees with me. Yeah, just say it. Dodgers, Braves. Oh, but dude, I could do that with Ast- all these other teams. Astros, okay. Orioles, the Lakers, the, about the Lakers. Def- defending champion Rangers, the Denver Nuggets, the Phoenix Suns, the Boston Celtics, the healthy Sixers, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I could play the same game okay, against you. None of those teams. Or is it, what are you scared of if you're a Knicks fan? You should be. If you're healthy, you're not scared of any of those. teams. You should be scared of the Celtics. Or maybe that's just me because all the Celtics do is beat my team <laughs> by forty every time I see them. Yeah, maybe but, maybe the Celtics are one. But let's go to Matt on Long Island. What's up, Matt? Hey, guys, thanks for taking the call. Um, so, Evan, I just have a quick question for you before we dive into this. Out of all the teams in New York, who would you say is the most well-run organization? The most well-run organization is probably the New York Rangers, if I had to be honest. Okay, well, that's a fair answer. Thank you. But me personally, if I don't see more out of Igor, I can't confidently say they're going to be winning anything. Well, but, 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 but first of all, you asked me about well-run organization, and I've seen a franchise now that's about to make the playoffs for the third consecutive year. Mm-hmm. They got very close to a Stanley Cup final back in 2022. Different coach. They did make a coaching change, but they added a coach that's won a cup before. And so if you're just asking, hey, overall, look at all these teams, who's the most well-run? I think my answer is a safe answer. It's the Rangers. Now, uh, were you trying to get me to say something else? Was that your goal of that question? <laughs> No, I was just curious what your stance on the you know the well-run organizations in this town. Me yeah. personally, I think it's a mix as of right now. That's I, why my answer for who can I see winning a title in the next couple of years is it has to be the New York Knicks. But they haven't done it yet. You know what I mean? I understand, but realistically, none of these teams have done it in over a decade. Right, right, right. But at least like, so, and I didn't bring up the Yankees in terms of being well-run because I think there's. It gets into the weeds on that. They have been well-run, but we yeah. have such high expectations for them that we can't say that's the answer. But they do have a general manager that's won a World Series right. with them, but while no absolutely. other team in this town can't have that answer. Any Yankee fan, I think both of them would say Cashman's a little, you know, in over his head. Well, point. no, I think, I think what it is, Matt, is that the misses have been bad misses. You know, they, you just when you miss that badly, 
well, when you when you sign guys that are hurt who don't pan out and ultimately you're left frustrated and saying why in the hell do we make that move? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say, oh, you're well run, despite being well run. No, the, the reason why his feeling towards that is different is all about expectations. It's all about expectations. The New York Knicks have been so bad for so long that now that they are well run, mm-hmm. which I would not argue, of course they're well run right now, we all want to immediately say they're the most well run. Well, I, they've done a great job. Leon's done a really good job the last couple of years. But do they go all the way to the top just because you're so used to something that well, was so bad? I, I think we're also talking about a plan, like a plan that, that presents itself and you're not guessing about what they're trying to do. And I, I think so for so many times with the Yankees or I'm um, trying to not the Mets necessarily, but with a lot of these teams, you're just guessing what the plan is. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the what the hell is your plan? You're just making moves to make moves or, you, or do you have a. A, like a process that you're going through to make these decisions that are affecting the team. And it feels like sometimes the Yankees don't. It's just kind of random. Ah, oh, Joey Gallo sounds good. Yeah, he'll be good But here. Tiki results matter. I know. And I the know. Yankee results would answer to a well-run organization because right. up until last year, they never missed the playoffs. I and it's, I get what I'm talking it's about. It's all perception, it's, dude. What I'm talking about is all perception. It's not has nothing to do with the success ratio because they've actually been really good. Last year, notwithstanding. Every single time. You feel like they're going to get to the playoffs. So and it, a lot of these teams, you're like, yeah, are we making the playoffs? It, Giants, are you making the playoffs? Nick, Jets, are you making the playoffs? Knicks, until the last couple of years, are you making the playoffs? Right, right, right. And how the do Yankees, you, are, you didn't even think about it. Exactly. And how do you win a championship? you got to be in that tournament as often as humanly possible. Because if you're there enough, the hope is you eventually get hot and win it. So I'm going to ride with the team that's there enough. The New York Yankees are there all the time. Last year was an exception. Yeah. The fact they didn't make it is like still a stunner to most people. Let's go to Danny in Cranford. What's up, Danny? Hey, guys. What's going on? All so, good. Listen, my heart wants to say the Rangers, but I, I, I have to go with the Yankees, and I'll tell you why. To win a Stanley Cup, you could theoretically play 28 playoff games. Mm. And it is the hardest sport to win in all of North American sports. Sorry, Tiki. I mean, yeah. no, I you're right. Football's a close. No, but I, I mean, but hold on, Danny. Football, you can just the other team could have a horrendous day, or like we saw in the NFC Championship game last year, your quarterback gets hurt and you're screwed. Right, the 49ers lose Brock Purdy, they get blown out in the championship game. So football almost sometimes can be easy if the circumstances work your way. You know what I mean? I think I think, like, I think you're right with with hockey because it's it's a grind, man. I, the hockey the playoffs take forever, forever. You almost forget who's in it because it takes so damn long. I would tell anyone that if you're not a hockey fan, and I think everyone would echo this, if you've seen a game, is to watch an NHL playoff game. Right, and it really is like nothing else. But yeah, I have to go with the, the Yankees. I mean, there's still way too much swing and miss. But if, as far as my odds of winning the next championship in this town. I think it's the Yankees. Yeah, if you can remove yourself, Danny, and thanks for the call, from the fact that the Yankees have been a disappointment in your mind for as long as they've been, they always give you a shot. Like, when I go into a season as a sports fan, I always want to dream my team can win a championship. And obviously, every year of my life, I've never seen it. Uh, So I never get the dream result. But some years, you really, really, really have to squint your eyes and talk yourself into it. I'll use the Mets as an example. This year, the Mets go into a season with limited expectations. Maybe they're a 500 team. Maybe they're a little bit better. So it's more difficult for me this season to squint my eyes and explain how they can win a World Series. 
but I can. Yeah. It's tough, but I can. Two years ago, it was a little bit easier. I had the Hall of Famers on the roster, and I could I could see it clearer. But then there are years in which you know, you know. I'll give you a great example. The Brooklyn Nets this year. You think I squinted my no. eyes at any point no. coming into this season and said I can win an NBA title? No, you did it, and you went blind because you couldn't see nothing. <laughs> you can't see me. <laughs> you can't see nothing. As John Cena would say, the New York Jets. Here's the other example. This season, I could squint my eyes and see it. I got Aaron Rodgers. I got a big-time defense. Doesn't mean I think it was going to happen, but I can at least picture it. Three years ago, when I got, or four years ago now, with Josh McCown at quarterback and Todd Bowles as my head coach, yeah. you I, know you can't see it. Yeah, but I think, The Yankees give you every single season, Tiki, a year in which you can squint your eyes and see it. Yeah, and they're the but, only team in town that can do that. But, that's the, but does it mean that they're the only team that can win a championship the next couple of years? I didn't say the only team. Right? I the, said the team the with the cha- best chance. And the challenge with the Yankees and this is what we found with the Mets trying to sign some of these guys, and now the Yankees, obviously, this offseason, finally trying to spend some money, even though they didn't ultimately come to fruition. Other teams are spending money, dude. Yes. Right? The Rangers spent money. The Padres a year ago, even though it came back to bite them and they had to take a loan to, to get out of some of their deals, they spent money. The Dodgers are are grossly spending money. They're the new evil empire. Teams, uh, The Orioles are going to spend money. It's different now than it's ever been in baseball. So to sit there and say, well, we're going to get the best players because we're the Yankees and we can afford it, doesn't necessarily hold the same type of like gravitas that it used to. But I never made that point. I didn't argue that. I didn't say they're just going to outspend everybody. I said they fit the squinty eyes test. Every year they got a shot. Yeah. I can't say that about any other team in this town. Every year. Do the Giants have a chance to win the Super Bowl next year, Tiki? Mm, right now, no. Right now. <laughs> you know they don't. I mean, it, they could. They could. You're playing. Could Anything the, could happen. The pro, Tiki, could the Nets have won an NBA title on. this year? In the NFL, it's a one-game tournament. Every, and once you get to the playoffs, it's a one-game tournament. It's not, oh, the best team's ultimately going to rise to the top over three or in the wild card for baseball or five or seven or seven in the World Series. In the NFL, it is a one-game event. I just said it to our last caller. Mm. Quarterback gets hurt on the other team. Pat Mahomes or whoever, let's say, who, let's think of the NFC. Uh, uh, Jer- uh, Jalen Hurts gets hurt. Giants are playing him in the championship game. Giants could win that game. Right. Right? Anything can happen in the NFL because it's a one-game event. Right? Best player pulls his hamstring, tears his Achilles. Right? And think how that affected the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Football is, is so based on who's available in the moment, not who's available over a series. That's why, that's why football is... I don't want to say it's the easiest easiest of the few of the of the majors, but like you can get lucky and win in football. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, to get lucky in an NHL series, it's best of seven. You yes. got to get lucky more than one time. A lot. Same thing in the NBA. Same thing in baseball. Right. If you're believing in se- luck, and they're all seven game series in hockey, right. Whereas right. in baseball, it's not all seven game series. Right. Right. Let's go to John and Paramus. Hey, John. Hey guys, how are you? Good. What's up? Hey, you were talking about before about how. Um, the Giants uh, or the Jets would not get any um, people on the parade or anything like that. What happened in 2011 when the Giants won? That February, how many people showed up at the parade and then went to Giants Stadium? Well, no, they had a lot of people. But my point was there'd be more people if the Knicks won. That was, that was my only point. I'd say no one was going to show up at your parade. I said more people would show up at a Knicks parade than a Jet or Giant parade. Do you disagree? I think... I disagree. I think, I think it should be just as much, if not more, for the Jets. Nah, you're fact. I'm a Giants fan. No, but you're fact that you see what you're forgetting, John, is the weather. People are soft. 
Did you see this city yesterday? <laughs> we had a bl- like a little bit of snow, and everybody used the excuse to not go out. Yeah. I get it. It's cold outside. I forgot my jacket today. I'm wearing a T-shirt. It's cold outside. So when you have a parade in the summer, and we haven't had that. Look, the Knicks haven't won an NBA championship since 1973. I understand it. It's not like we've had this example. But are people going to go out and party in late June? Or are they going to go out and party on February 15th? <laughs> like, think about it. It's not a knock on giant fans. Yeah. It's a knock on New Yorkers that were a bunch of softies. Now, to be fair, we had an unseasonably warm day the last giant parade. Which and and it's, it's, in the, it's in the daytime, so you're right. also taking time off work. Yeah, I get that. Well, that's no big deal. I mean, time off work. Winter caps were not needed. Yeah, but it's not because everybody's looking for an excuse to get out of work. Right. Like yesterday. Yeah, but. <laughs> You're talking some about some people just can't, right? But when are you more likely to get out and party? Middle of February or late June? Yeah, you're more likely to want to take off work in June. Yeah, th- that's it. It's not me saying the Giants don't have a passionate fan base. Oh, and here's the other thing about the Giants: you guys have done it already. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, when I was thinking about this this morning and about all these teams that can win titles, I started getting angry at Sean. Do you know why? No. What did he do? I, he didn't do Other anything. Than missing work yesterday. No, he, he didn't miss work. He had, a, he had a fine excuse. He took his daughter to the daddy-daughter Valentine's Day thing. Just trying I to make you feel guilty. No, I know. I'll never happen. <laughs> Kiss my ass, Boomer. Did he? Did he get on you? Oh, all day. Did all, he really? I mean, look, the guy just got done playing golf for eight days and called it work and then decided to tell everybody else when and when they shouldn't show up to work. Boomer was working, man. He was working at CBS. Yeah, Giannotti was, was probably more on the golf trip, and I think he'd admit that. Yeah, no, Boomer, I should play pictures of Boomer on the course, but please, tell everybody else when they need well, to get to work. He was working, though. He was working for CBS. Yeah. I saw him on that pregame show endlessly talking. Right, no, that that right. was on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday he finally put in an honest day's work. But what's yeah. the wow. else when All right, whatever. What was I saying again? Oh, yeah. Here's why I got mad at Sean. I got mad at Sean because as I'm thinking about all these different teams that could win a championship, because I wanted to give an honest answer. I wanted to be honest with you. I'm thinking about the Yankees, thinking about the Rangers, thinking about the Giants, all these teams. I realized that Sean Morash, who is, how old are you, 36? Uh, I'll be 37 in May. Yeah. He's 37 in May. Do you realize he has seen eight championships? <laughs> wow. Great, eight, great eight, times, man. <laughs> eight of them. Like eight. 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 E-I-G-H-T. Eight. Eight championships. And plenty of losses in the championship rounds. Well, whatever. I've seen that, too, by the way. <laughs> I've seen my team lose one, two, four, four times I've seen my team lose in a finals or World Series. So I get that. If anything, I, I, my team was in the most recent championship series. Yeah, you're you're spoiled, John. You're Holy a spoiled crap. bastard. I don't deny that. Doesn't mean I don't want more, but I don't deny that. I don't walk around going, "I've had it so hard as a sports yeah, fan." Yeah, but you're like content. You're just you're good. I, I'm like, not you're content. eager for the next one, but you're good. So there is partial truth to that, but not entirely. If well, no, no, he wants more because I think what happens. Of course, you want it, more. It's but. like when you're fat. Like you, you, you <laughs> could look at someone who's overweight. And say, well, they don't need to eat. Why would they need to eat? They have a lot of food that they've eaten. No, you're hungry. You've eaten a lot, but you still want to eat more. So I'm not calling you fat, by the way, Sean. I'm just making no, it a general like no. comparison. How stupid would it be if someone looked at someone overweight and said, well, you can't be hungry. Look at all the food you've of eaten. That makes course. no sense. Of course. That's yeah. ridiculous. No, I would just say this. I'm still hungry. I'm just not as desperate as I once was. Yeah, not starving. I'm not starving, but I'm hungry. I'm going to ask you a question that's going to annoy me even more, but I'm kind of curious now. If someone ever asked me to rank my kids, I'd say that's a, that's a horrible question. I'll never rank my mm-hmm. kids. I love them equally. I love them both. Yes. If you had to rank your eight championships, could you do that? Could you say, okay, I'm putting this one number one. I'm putting this one number two. I'm putting. The, and I by mean, the way, for those that don't know, yeah. he's a giant Ranger Yankee fan. 
So he's got five from the Yankees, yeah. two from the Giants, one from the Rangers that he remembers. He was too young for 1990. Right. He was too young for the Yankees in the 70s. He wasn't even alive. I could go top four easy. Easy. And easy. Is it because you were there? I was not present for any single one of my team's championships. Is that right? Yeah, playoff games sprinkled oh, yeah, throughout. You were too young when the, the first Giant, right? Um, yes. Where were you, 20? No, for 2007? Yeah. I was 20, 21. 20, yeah. That ain't too young. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's it's, a grown it's damn man. Dude. Yeah, no, I wasn't. But I will tell you, 2007 Giants are undeniably number one because of the idea of beating the undefeated team. Yeah. And super, the Super Bowl is just a different 2007 answer. number one. Number one. Not yeah. even close. Number two for me is undeniably the 2000 Yankees because I had the element of it's the three-peat and I'm sticking it to my friends. No, I get that. I get that. I respect that. I'm not even going to yell at you. I get that. Number three is no doubt the 94 Rangers because for me, I remember going distinctly to so many games that you're my dad and that is the year I fell in love with sports as a young kid. How old were you in 94? I was seven, eight years old. Oh my God, yeah. what a time to be alive. And for anybody who goes, you're too young. Oh no, I could tell you. Close my eyes. Groundhog's Day Islanders. Adam Graves Hattrick. I was at all these games. Loved it. And number four for me is the 96 Yankees, because the first time I saw my, my baseball team. Did. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like, that list yeah. makes sense. You got your Subway World Series, which is number two, which I get, yeah. sticking it to us. The 07 run, I think, is the greatest run in the history of sports. No doubt. I don't know if there's a championship run a team could go on. Yeah, but it's also, people don't give the Giants credit for how good they were that year. They make it seem like they were 8-8 eight and eight and made the postseason. Well, I mean, they weren't that, were that much better. They were 10-6. Yeah, well, I mean, they were that? a good team. They were lucky to make the playoffs. Double-digit wins in the NFL yeah. are hard to do. Well, I've seen my team do it, so it ain't that tough to do. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If I've seen my team do it, then what the hell does that yeah, mean? Yeah, but yeah. nobody expect them to be very good, as Tiki will tell you. Certain people retired before the season didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get that. It wasn't Stood. that. I mean, they played... Like, they played great in the postseason. Yeah, got hot. But no, no one's insulting them by saying that is the greatest run in the history of sports. Like, I think that's the greatest run ever. I don't know if anything can match that. Beating an undefeated team from that deadbeat city Boston is the best. Yeah. That, By the way, that's just part of it. Like, yeah, that's a big the part Cowboys of it. Cowboys with Romo and Cancun. You go yeah. to Green Bay and beat the legendary Brett Favre in overtime on oh, that the road. Was, yeah, that was his bye week year where he went to Cancun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot and a wild that. card round, we won one for Tiki, beating Ronde in the yeah. wild card round. And, and I'll tell you the th- other thing that adds to it. The last game against the Patriots in the regular season where you lose, I think it was 38-35. Saturday if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you fight them in the undefeated season. I... I think that's the greatest run ever. So I get why that would be number one. Boy, I wish someday I could sit there with my grandchildren on my lap and rank championships. Mm. Oh, my God. Well, maybe one day you can be able to rank a championship. <laughs> and maybe all the moments from that game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't think you're going to stack them and have the conversation <laughs> no. with your grandkid. I think it's too late for me to be doing any kind of stacking. More of your calls coming up, 877-337-6666. Evan and Tiki on the fan. We are two days away from A-Rod Day. I see all the balloons, all the festivities being arranged for Friday. I guess I look forward to it. I have no choice. I look forward to it. There was, I I wouldn't say it was a Woj bomb, but it was certainly interesting. Adrian Wojnarowski, who covers the NBA better than anybody, reported that right before the trade deadline last week, without anybody knowing, Mm -hmm. under a cloud of secrecy, the Golden State Warriors reached out at an ownership level to the Los Angeles Lakers about LeBron James. They reached out and said, hey, yeah, what's up? Yeah, what's going on? We see these cryptic tweets from LeBron. Yeah. We're shaking. And the Warriors, apparently, according to Woj, said, you know what? I'm sorry, the Lakers, according to Woj, Jeannie Buss, said, you know what? Let's ask LeBron. 
would he be interested mm. in A, being traded, and then B, being traded to the Golden State Warriors? So as opposed to Jeannie Buss hanging up the phone angrily, the way I would in fantasy baseball, yeah. if somebody called about my best player, which is what I would do. Someone calls me about my guy. My guy's Julio Rodriguez. But he's 38 years I'm hanging old. Up. I, I get that. I get that. But normally you would think that there would just be a hang-up. We're talking about the potential GOAT. Instead, Jeannie Buss goes to Rich Paul hmm. and goes to Clutch Sports and says, what do you think? And the response was, LeBron James has no interest in going to the Golden State Warriors. And that pretty much ended the discussion. But it leads me to this question, and I think it's a very valid question. Because one thing I always find fascinating about sports is most of us play fantasy. Yeah. And we know that in fantasy, you can ask about any trade. Uh, Lugie and I play fantasy. He can ask me about any player. I'll ask him about any player. We'll probably bust our balls and we all move on. But in real sports, how does this work? Yeah. Like, can you, you literally call up and ask? I, I mean, I guess you obviously you can because that's kind of what they did, the Golden State Warriors. But to me, it just tells me LeBron is not ring chasing. Well, no, 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 hold on. See, this is where we may have a difference here. He was asked specifically about joining the Warriors because the Warriors reached out. That's one team in the NBA. And by the way, maybe you don't want to play with Steph Curry. Maybe you don't want to play with Traymond Green. Maybe you don't want to go to the Bay Area because it's overrated. I don't know. But that would be great for him. From a legacy standpoint, maybe it wouldn't. You don't know the way LeBron's thinking. Uh, what like? But what's his legacy going to? How's it going to change oh. if he goes to a fifth team now and potentially wins a championship? Because he's joining a team and a player that while they beat them okay. once, okay, but they're he not, didn't beat a lot. Yeah, but they're not they're not good right now. The Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. They're five hundred. So, They've been playing a lot better, but I think they would be very good if LeBron changed. That's what I mean. That, so right? if he co- if he goes there and isn't like the icing on top of the cake, or not even, the extra layer of icing on top of an already iced cake like KD was. Right, right. If he goes and he helps, like, reestablish the beauty of the Golden State Warriors and wins another championship, that's more on him than it is on, you know, Golden State just kind of, you know, ferrying in behind KD. I get that. All I'm saying is... a different kind of legacy than what KD has. All I'm saying is... Not all teams and situations are created equal. So yeah. if he's been given an opportunity based on Genie Bus relaying the conversation, saying, hey, the Warriors are interested, what do you think? And he says no, for many reasons that we could try to figure out, there could be a good reason why he said no. Yeah. My follow-up is, did Leon Rose make that phone call? Because that's a very different situation. And I don't know if LeBron says no. Now, LeBron may say no. He may say, thank you for your interest, but my son is playing college basketball right now, and I don't want to leave him. Yeah, I think and I have no interest in leaving the Lakers. But my question is, if the Warriors have the balls to pick up the phone, owner to owner, and call a rival, <laughs> call a rival, and say, hey, what up? We're interested in LeBron. Why wouldn't other franchises, specifically the team in our town, I, with a guy who just made peace with Rich Paul? Yeah. They just made peace I think, hours before this. Why don't you make that phone call? Because, Tiki, there's a chance the response would have been I, different. I think in LeBron's case, because of his age, because of his family situation, the decisions he's going to make professionally as it pertains to basketball – are not just basketball related. It's going to be about one, it's quality of life. Because remember, he's bought he bought this house in Los Angeles years ago. 
it was it was well before mm-hmm. he left uh, Cleveland to go to to L.A. So he knew he was going to end up on the West Coast for a lot of reasons. One, mainly being he wanted to get into Hollywood, and then now that his son is out there at USC, like and and, and I think he likes going to games. I think he likes being seen. See the key word you used. You said you think, you think, you think, you think. You but don't I, think I, till I, you know. Well, Do you know? Do well, they know? Does Leon know? Do the I, Knicks know? Does anybody know? We don't know. The Warriors now know because they asked. Did you ask? Did Leon ask? But I'm just Should thinking, he have asked? But I'm just thinking simply why he turned that down. Because if he was ring chasing, that's what he would do. Because he's not winning a championship with the Lakers. I mean, maybe they get lucky, but I, d- I seriously, seriously doubt it. Mm-hmm. So if he wanted to go try to win another championship, he would have. The Warriors would be infinitely better with him on their roster. No one's disagreeing. And so it, it, I think he's more in the stage of my life is set. I like where I am. I have these multiple businesses out in Los Angeles. My kid is here. I won a championship for the Lakers. It doesn't make sense for me to go anywhere else and try to yeah, but, restart something new, but Tiki, especially Tiki. not to the East Coast. And so if you're Leon Rose, I'm getting back to Leon Rose. If you're Leon Rose and you've just had this conversation with Clutch, then you probably broached it. Oh, so that, okay, so you think he already talked about it. Yeah, absolutely. You think Leon uh, Rose, by uh, the way, that's tampering. You think Leon Rose said to Rich Paul at that, you know, very clandestine dinner, hey, by the way, what's up with LeBron? Uh Does he want to come here? So he did it through a back channel and didn't do it through the front channel the way the Warriors did? He's not not talking to LeBron. He's not talking to the... the, No, but you got to talk to to the the organization because it's up to the Lakers at the end of the day. I understand this. You're not talking to the Lakers. You're not talking to LeBron. You're just like, hey, hey, Rich, does uh, LeBron want to come to the East Coast? Not saying he's coming here, and he probably says no. He said, "You're assuming that conversation happened." I'm assuming it did. I have no idea if it happened. I All know I either. know is that when you see someone really, really, really attractive at a bar, whether you're a man or a woman, you can't just assume that person wouldn't be interested in you. You can't just make assumptions based on looking at them to say, "Well, I've got no shot. Why not ask?" What we learned from this story this morning is that the Golden State Warriors—you want to call it desperate—that's fine. Asked, they picked up the phone. They made a phone call, and if these phone calls happen a lot, they haven't come out. I'll tell you that right now. We don't learn about it all the time. It's shocking that this one didn't come out. Well, this one did come out. We just found out about it today. Yeah, but the deadline's been, it's it's almost a week. Yeah, we found out a week later. We we still found out. But we didn't find out in real time. (laughs) No, we didn't find out in real time. But we found out that, hey, a week ago, the Warriors had the guts to say, let's pick up the phone and ask a long-shot question. And, yeah, the answer doesn't surprise a lot of us for some of the reasons that you gave. Yeah. But you wouldn't know the answer without asking the question. So when we sat here a week and a half ago, and it was purely hypothetical with LeBron James being traded, we all just made the assumption, well, that's not going to happen. Things became real I think because that, the Warriors asked. Yeah, I, I would want my team to ask if I was in position to maybe get him to say yes because the New York Knicks are different than the Golden State Warriors. And you know what's funny? If I made that statement three years ago, I'd be saying it in a negative way. Yeah, But I in 2024, I'm not being negative when I say that. You're different. Maybe the answer is different. I don't know if the Knicks, if it made as much sense for the Knicks as it does for the Warriors to try to make that trade. This is just being roster building wise, because in order to get my uh, uh, LeBron James, you have to give up Julius Randle, and we because we did this right. right? We did the trade thing. They they, they don't have enough assets contract wise to make it numbers work. You can't yeah. make it work unless you put Julius Randle yeah. in that conversation. Well, you you probably are though, and you and you LeBron put, James. I I know, but it's like when now, yeah, or or when next year. What's wrong with when now? 
well, are you ready? If without Julius Randle and LeBron James, who doesn't play defense anymore, are you winning now at the Knicks? I mean, yeah, that's you got a better a, that's chance. A, you do, but that's a, that's a serious conversation to have. And it's not. But a, you I can't have that conversation without making the phone call. That's all. I'm, that's all yeah. I'm saying. You got to no. make that phone call. I, dude, I think they made the phone call. I do. Do you think, I think they, a lot of teams did? Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? So Woj included in this story that one other team did make the phone call, hmm. and that phone call was made by Daryl Morey of the Philadelphia 76ers. It was not an ownership level discussion. And when Daryl Morey called up Rob Palinka and asked about LeBron James, according to Woj, Palinka immediately told him no and promptly responded by saying. Since we're on the line, is Joel Embiid available? <laughs> which, is, which is so typical of fantasy sports. Right. But you see what the mistake was. The mistake was it wasn't an ownership discussion. It has to be. So I, I know this is weird because none of us trust James Dolan, but that would have had to have been mm-hmm. a Dolan Genie bus discussion. Because you got to go above heads when you talk about a franchise-like player. Right. Now, one concern you may have as a Nick fan, as much as you love Leon and you love the organization, and I don't disagree with you, do you trust your owner? Because that's an ownership discussion. And maybe your response is, hey, Ev, can you imagine Dolan on that phone call? Well, has he can ever, you imagine how has bad he, that would go? Has he ever been in that, in that moment, in that kind of situation? He where, just sues other owners. Yeah, that's what I mean. So has he ever had that kind of relationship with another owner where – a deal needs to get done, and he gets it done. Look, the only thing we remember is that he pushed, reportedly, Donnie Walsh to pull off the mellow trade by saying, right. give them whatever they want. But I don't know if that was ever an ownership-level discussion, but a trade like that, and it didn't happen. But the Warriors attempted to do it, and the Sixers attempted to do it. One team had a better shot of getting it done, and that was the team that went on an ownership level Yeah, but the- because it at least got to Rich Paul and LeBron James, yeah. and there was a response. Meanwhile, Rob Palenka basically told Daryl Morey, go F yourself. <laughs> when he responds by saying, is Joel Embiid available, that's code for, yeah. uh, why are you asking me this? Right, you're joking with me because cause I'm going to joke back at you. So, so by this, the way. This is not real, at least not in my estimate, not my conversation. So the only way this conversation could have gone down is if James Dolan, who I know no Nick fan really wants involved in any kind of day-to-day operations, was the one that made the phone call. Unless it was the back-channel discussion you're talking about, which is tampering. Yeah. Which is, I'm just going to ask Rich Paul himself. Which, by the way, happens all the damn time. You know it does. So, I I I don't think LeBron wanted to go, but I don't think if if James Dolan asked, it would have had the same impact. It just doesn't. It didn't. It doesn't feel like he has that kind of relationship. It would be an awkward owner. conversation. It does. It feels like a very awkward conversation that he would try to have. We'd be like, "Genie, how's it going? What do you think <laughs> of the sphere? Isn't it amazing? It's beautiful. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's the greatest sphere ever. Yeah, I build the arena all by myself. You I'm know the best. that Jay Moore? He is a funny guy. You know, kiss the husband's ass while you're at it. <laughs> I don't think he's smooth enough to do that though. Well, <laughs> someone in his team could tell him. By the way, she just got married. Jay right. Moore, say something about him. Jay Moore, like the comedian. <laughs> they just got married. Yeah, married. Are Last year. Uh huh. Yeah. What? You didn't know this? <laughs> I didn't oh, here's know a rabbit that. hole. Yep. That is such a rabbit hole. Jeannie Buss with in. Jay Moore before that. She was with Phil. You know about the Phil Jackson. Oh, I know about the Phil yeah. stuff, but yeah. really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why does that surprise you? You don't think a comedian can get a billionaire I, I, owner? Of course. Make a girl laugh. It just That's doesn't. It. I don't know. Age wise, it doesn't feel the same. Aren't they the same age? They though? probably are, but I feel Jay is younger in my head. Oh, by the way, speaking of ages and new relationships, how about the new hot one? Former NFL player, superstar halftime show. Oh. Julian Shakira. Edelman and Shakira. What? Yeah. yeah. That's oh. like you pick two names out of a hat. Yeah. It's like Shakira and Julian. That Damn. is a real relationship. And do you know how many years they're separated by? No. Ten. Ten years. 
That's fine. That's, I'm, I'm this is the Kelsey yeah, Swift thing again. What I'm talking about. Ten is nothing. Edelman is never with Shakira if he never plays with Tom Brady. Yeah, but he doesn't even play with Tom Brady. I anymore. understand that, but that's how he became famous. It's about who you play with. I think it's about the access. Ooh, I think the fact that he had a chance to spit game yeah. and be smooth. But why did he get that no, chance? No, I agree. I you think have, it's more of that. You have to be in position to then say, hey, I'm in the same room as Shakira. Let me go hit on her right. and see how successful I am. Or you could do it the Kelsey way, which was very different. It was some... Like, hey, I'd love to ask her out on a date. And her people got in touch with his people. And Yeah, that's a very... It's, just, it's, just, <laughs> it's such uh, a Hollywood way to do it. Exactly. Uh, let's go to... Uh, oh, I guess we have breaking news. What's real up? quickly, two things. One not-so-serious, one serious. The not-so-serious, the Niners have fired Steve Wilkes after mm. the Super Bowl. Yes. The, that was, that was yeah. very not-serious, but also very right. obvious. Interesting. And the serious that's going on... Shots fired at Union Station at the end of the Chiefs parade. Fans and everything oh, have left straight. It's an oh, ongoing geez. terrible situation to oh, end the Chiefs terrible. celebration parade right now. Wow. Is there any update on everybody no okay? No update. Uh, police have urged all the Chief fans to leave the area. Whatever was wrapping with the parade is now ended. Right. And it's just like a mass scene of chaos right now in Kansas City. Jeez. Well, we pray everybody's all right. There's no fatalities. Nobody's hurt. But that's obviously very, very scary. Yeah, the Steve Wilkes thing you mentioned, that that's not a surprise. It's because not a surprise. Kyle Shanahan was basically overruling him throughout the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, especially on those last drives. He was – Steve just kept bringing pressure. And – the one thing you you don't want to do with Pat Mahomes because you're not going to get home. Mm. Right? You just they protect him too well, so he's going to buy time. And when you bring pressure, you have some sort of compromised man coverage on the back end. He's going to find somebody. So in the game, while the Chiefs were driving, Kyle Shanahan called a timeout. Right, and they and Tony pointed this out on the broadcast. He called the timeout to tell him stop blitzing. It's like stop, do something else. That's not going to work. So you could see the like the stress on Steve Wilkes' face, and he didn't have a, an, an easy answer. You, you could tell it was a disconnect. And by the way, you know who the perfect DC for Kyle Shanahan would be? Who? Bill Belichick. <laughs> Help him in his big moments not to choke. Mm. And then Bill has great success. They win the Super Bowl. Boom! He gets a head coaching by the way, job. That's one. You know how we talked about like Dave's would be looking over his shoulder. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan's not looking over his shoulder. <laughs> He's just not. Choke again? NFC title I mean, game, maybe, Super but he's Bowl? not. I nah, think. I get you. Well, even if he should, he's not. Right. He's done enough where... Well, not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying he's so, like, sure of himself. Right. And he's had such success, except for in the ultimate stage, as we all know, that he's not even thinking, oh, I'm going to hire Bill Belichick, and he's going to undercut me. So you agree that's a good hire. You get the that, best defensive that, mind in the history of football. That actually would be a good hire. Thank you very much. The question is now you got to convince Bill, hey, your best chance to being a head coach again yeah. is by being a successful defensive coordinator for a team that you're not going to become the head coach of. Yeah. That's where it would make the most sense. So there you go. Breaking news. Kyle Shanahan and the Niners make a change after that Super Bowl loss. Steve Wilkes out as defensive coordinator. Colin is in Hawthorne, New Jersey. What's up, Colin? Hey, guys. Hey, how about Rex Ryan's DC for San Francisco? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Rex Ryan's fascinating because Rex Ryan interviewed for the Dallas job, and I saw this on ESPN over the weekend. At least I saw a highlight of it. I certainly wasn't watching it live, where Rex Ryan responded to Adam Schefter's report that Mike Zimmer's getting the job and that Rex interviewed so well by saying, yeah, not so sure about that Mike Zimmer report. Almost as if Rex is, hasn't been told or still thinks he's in on that Dallas job. But what he said about Dallas 
Colin, which is why your idea is a good one, is he said, I wouldn't just want to be a D.C. anywhere. I want to go somewhere where I know I can win, and I believe I can win in Dallas. Well, clearly, you would think you can win in San Francisco. So I don't know if he'd get the job, but I can understand why Rex would want the job, that's for sure. Well, hey, guys, a uh, uh, quick question to you guys since you brought up the 07 Giants. You know, uh, the hot topic now is the go between Mahomes and Brady. In 07, if the Patriots would have won, and Brady goes undefeated. Do you think the GOAT conversation is over and Brady is the automatic GOAT no matter what? Let me tell you something. Mm. Let me tell you something about GOAT conversations. Yeah. They're never over. Right. It can change immediately next year. Of course. If Pat Mahomes three-peats, which has never been done in the NFL, it changes the conversation. That's why if Tom Brady, and you're right about this, when you look back at 2007, what I would argue is not only was it the greatest Super Bowl run of all time, which I'm sure Giant fans cheer on and say, yes, yeah, 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 I agree with you. I think it was the most important Super Bowl of all time after the merger, because mm-hmm. obviously those games are more important based on legitimizing yeah, the AFL. Of course. Put that aside, it was the most important game, kind of for the reasons you're saying. If he and the Patriots have an undefeated, perfect season, especially with the way they dominated, any discussion around the Patriots and Tom Brady your case for them is just stronger. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't have the debate. It doesn't mean people still wouldn't call up and say Bill's not the greatest head coach of all time or Tom Brady's not the greatest quarterback of all time. But anytime you argue those fun things, you just have a better case because you're talking about completing the perfect season. But unfortunately for Tom and Bill, yeah, they didn't do it. No, they didn't. They, and that was part of this. They There was a drought, right? It was a pretty long drought. A drought of what? For, for championships for the Patriots, right? They won three of, like, five or something. Well, well 4-0-7, you mean? Yeah, but, but I felt like it what was... What do you mean after that? No, there was a... Because they didn't win in 07, so 0-4-2 when they finally won, which was 2000 so and... Yeah, so 2013. 13. Yeah. So this is, it was a pretty long drought. Yeah. Right, nine years? Yeah, it's viewed as two separate dynasties. By yeah, now. exactly. Two, two separate, separate dynasties, dynasties with the same quarterback-head coach combination. Yeah. It's just kind of fascinating. And coordinator, right, for most of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe maybe it was a different coordinator for the first couple, but still. The first right. couple you had Charlie Weiss and Romeo. Right, right, right. So ultimately, the Tom Brady... Dynasty was was two different iterations. Correct. And, and, and by the way, that's a career Yeah, for most people in between them. Well, that's what Mahomes is going to eventually have. He's going to end up having two different dynasties, too. One with Andy Reid, one post-Andy Reid. Because think about it, Andy Reid's not going to coach forever. No, and, t- and Pat Mahomes is 28 years old right now. So it's not like he's retiring anytime soon. Right. There's right. at least a decade left on his career. More your calls coming up, 877-337-6666. Scary story out of Kansas City. Mentioned it earlier, there was shots fired at the end of the Kansas City Chief Parade. According to the Kansas City Police Department, they have taken two armed people into custody and that there were a few people that got hit. Now, we don't know if they're hurt, if they need medical attention, but hopefully everybody's going to end up okay, and these two bastards can be given uh, brought to justice. So very scary story coming out of Kansas City. By the way, major kudos to Sal and BT. They dressed up as wrestlers to fulfill their bets from the NFL season. And out of support, especially BT, no offense to Sal, he dressed like Doink the Clown, whatever, but dressing up like Goldust matters. Dressing up like Goldust was impressive. Why? Why does that matter more I, than... A clown's a clown. I don't know. It's just a clown's a clown. Like, I know... Who cares about Doink? But Goldust was a legend. <laughs> and for BT to dress like that took a lot. I give him a lot of credit. He put the paint on himself. So I wanted to show support. Okay. So I retweeted the picture of them. 
and I attached it to the real Goldust, a guy by the name of Dustin Rhodes, who's now in AEW, not wrestling under the name Goldust. And so I did that. I did that. That's that's the Cody's brother. That's Cody's bigger brother, yes. So I did that out of loyalty to our guys in the midday, but also because I thought, hey, maybe I can bring it to Dustin's attention. Who knows? (laughs) I then find out, and usually I don't care about this. Like, why would I care? Social media is fake. That Dustin Rhodes has me blocked on Twitter. What did you do to Dustin Rhodes? I have no idea. I even searched my you old must have tweets. Done something. Well, I tried to find out. I searched my old tweets and said, "Have I ever said anything about Dustin Rhodes?" Did you say anything about Cody? Uh, <laughs> Bingo. Uh, of course. Uh-huh. Oh, I shouldn't have won this championship. Uh, something like that. You, you, you hashtagged a, a Cody crybaby, didn't you? I don't uh, know if because, I hashtagged because the Rock. You did. I know uh-huh. you did because you were so enamored with the Rock going crazy on Pat McAfee. Okay, well, tell well, him to stick a. Chicken nuggets in your mouth and two up your butt, right? right. I know, I know you did. I so, you absolutely did. This is let, why you don't use social media, but bro. Let's say I did do that. You're telling me Dustin Rhodes Gold Dust is so sensitive that me being critical of a wrestling character—it's a character. Not if it's yes. his brother. It's That's his brother. I didn't say Cody Rhodes is a bad human. I didn't say Cody Rhodes is a loser. I said Cody Rhodes is overrated. I don't need to see him finish his story like every other <laughs> Cody crybaby. That's why, if you think that's true, and maybe it is, I don't know. I'm just trying if to figure it out. that's the reason Dustin Rhodes blocked me, he's a baby. When was the last time you, I don't know, did anything towards Dustin Rhodes? When's the last time anyone thought of Dustin Rhodes? <laughs> No, you know I, who made Dustin Rhodes relevant? Who? Brandon Tierney by dressing up as Goldust. Mm. No one has thought about Dustin Rhodes in years and years and years and years. So you know what? You want to block me? I'll lean in on it. Mm. You suck. How about that? Well, what? You got something to say there, Loogie? I don't think he sucks. I think he's one of the most <laughs> underrated wrestlers in the history of wrestling, and he's still doing it now oh, in great shape at 60. And you know what? He's 60? Uh, he's like, I think he might be... Uh, Goldust, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I think he's in his 50s, maybe in his 60s. Goldust, he's almost, Goldust Dustin. if you're listening. I'd like to think if, <laughs> if you're listening. somebody I mean, Taz was on this station at one point. went yeah. on Twitter or on the radio and said, you know what, that Tiki Barber, not a Hall of Famer. I'd like to think Ronde Barber... Would block them on Twitter, well, right, Teak? Brother, he wouldn't. He'd be like, "Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he's you're not. right. He's a bad brother." Well, no, but I would think you're a good it, brother. You wouldn't. No, but hold on. Ask it the other way. If someone went on the radio, because mm-hmm. that's all I did. I don't think I tweeted anything about Cody Rhodes. For being honest, I think it was all on the radio. Someone probably stooged you. If I went on the radio and start, or not me, but if someone went on the radio and ripped Ronde, he's overrated. Yeah. Not a Hall of Famer. Would you go out of your way to block that person on social media? Well, first of all, I don't partake a lot in social media. And second of all, they're wrong because he is a Hall of Famer. But you know what so, I mean. I know what you mean. Like, but like, what could you say that would – it would have to be so much more offensive than a sports radio take is my point. Right. So for him to block you over a potential sports talk radio take – is asinine. Well, but, now but, if you're now if you're attacking him, like his character and who he is, and I heard that you were doing X Y Z and <laughs> trying to put him in cancel culture or something like that, that's a different story. That's very different. But, but anything I said, not, that, I know you didn't do that. Well, anything I did was a sports talk radio thing. See, that's I right. treat wrestling like a sport, even though it's not. I have opinions on it. That's where me and Taz did have disagreements back in the day. I love professional wrestling. So one of the arguments me and Taz had once. Oh, maybe this is it. <laughs> is that I said to him, Jeff Jarrett's not a Hall of Famer. He's overrated. And Taz took major offense to that. Now we ended up squashing the beef. So, but, but I gave that opinion like I was talking about you or I was yeah, talking yeah. about an athlete. 
Like, it's nothing personal. If someone says you're not a Hall of Famer, that's, that's not an attack on you as a football right, player. Bowie, that's just an opinion. Right. It's just a stupid opinion. And, and it could be vastly wrong. Of course. <laughs> because if he ever gets in the Hall of Fame, then you're wrong. And, and not to get in the weeds here, but that Hall of Fame is one guy picked who got in that Hall of Fame. Know, so for Evan to get upset over it was ridiculous I in the first place. No, no. Taz was upset about it. No, me. you were upset about that Double J got in the Hall of Fame that upset. a guy I, we can't mention anymore would pick. No, no. I criticized the decision. I wasn't mad about it. The only person mad about it was Taz because he was offended. So you don't see put no, me as the one who was no, mad. No, I, I wasn't I, mad. I've noticed a pattern here. You offend a lot of people. Oh, well, right, because so, they're sensitive. No, right, maybe so, you're so, a jerk. So Goldberg was part of that conversation. Well, that would be Goldust. I mean, a Goldust. Not Goldberg. Gold Dust was part of that conversation with Taz. No, no, I'm. I, he wasn't. I'm just trying to figure out what would cause because that Dustin Rhodes to be offended by me. Been, it must have been something with Taz. You think it was something with Taz? Well, it, it had to have been. Apparently, Mike in Massapequa thinks he knows why I was blocked by Gold Dust. What do you want us uh, share with us your theory? <laughs> Not everyone has to like everyone in this world, and I truly believe he doesn't like you because of your character. Because of my what? Your character. Your character? My character? What yeah, I, I don't think you're a good person, and that's a representation, a representation <laughs> from your character. But why would, Dustin, why would Dustin Rhodes give a rat's ass about my character? <laughs> that's the I other mean, part that doesn't make sense. Right. I don't understand how he even knows about your character. <laughs> By the way, I think you're a good person. Oh, thank you. Also, Evan in the past has had two very anti-Gold Dust tweets. Oh, is that true? Uh, Go ahead. Uh, On August 3rd, 2010. Hmm. Wow. Seamus Goldust. Maybe watching the Mets was a better idea than Raw. <laughs> uh, and what's the other one? April 3rd, 2011. Ray Mysterio versus Dusty. Non-Goldust, his son Co uh, Cody. I'll take Mysterio over any roads. Wow. Wow. Did I really tweet that? Wow. Two of those tweets, bud. And then you also, when I just search your name in Rhodes, yeah. there's a lot of people bickering with you about Dusty Rhodes, even though you're not saying anything negative, which I think would tie into, I want nothing to do with this if I'm Dusty Rhodes. Let me block everybody involved with these conversations. Dustin Rhodes is his Dustin. name. Dusty's his father. He passed away, unfortunately. Okay. With all due respect. The bottom line is this. You've had a lot to say and other people have conversed with you about the Rhodes family and you've blasted any gold dust match right. going back 14 years. <laughs> there you go. So, so the game has been played. For, you've been blocked for a long time. You just <laughs> never knew it. Why would I know he's been irrelevant for a decade and a half? The only time he mattered is because BT dressed as him. Like, literally, BT made him relevant. And so I saw that. So, all right, so I'm anti-Goldust. Well, guess what? He kind of sucked. <laughs> he didn't suck, but uh, no, I don't know. No, he was very good. The backlog brawl with Roddy very, Piper. No, very, very that good. That was carried by Roddy Piper. Okay? I, that was I, certainly I, not I, carried by Goldust. I had checked out at that time. Character-wise, in-ring-wise, very, very, very good. Evan's just a little uh, upset. And mm. by the way, as we can see, nothing's changed in 14 years that his big Monday night was watching the Mets or watching <laughs> Goldust on right. Raw. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I love that. I'm debating between Seamus Goldust and a Met game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a loser. Uh, let's go to Tom and Beth Page. What's up, Tom? Hey, guys. Uh, two points on that championship topic before. We were talking about Sean's eight championships that he has as a fan. Yeah. Number one. Number one, how about the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, Evan, you can't say what you said because they have three in the 90s. Should they be satisfied? They're one of the most miserable fan bases there yeah, is, good and point. rightfully so. Good point. No, I, I understand why you wouldn't be satisfied. You want more? You eat candy? You want more candy? Right, which leads me to point two, though, is that 
You keep saying 2009 wasn't that long ago, when in actuality it was an extremely long time ago. When you talk about the male demographic that listens to WFAN, that's maybe 15 years old to 40 years old, a lot of the gener- almost a generation and a half has never seen the Yankees win. So you can't say, oh, the Yankees didn't win in, since 2009. That's not too long ago. That's an extremely long time no, ago. No, no, like perspective. No, but Tom, it's yeah. perspective. Like, you're right. If you are under the age of, let's say, 25, you probably don't remember much of it. You don't remember much of it. If you are a teenager, if you are in your early 20s, and you are a Yankee fan, you probably don't remember much about your World Series in 2009. So I totally get it. But you definitely don't know the dynasty. Well, definitely not. I didn't even use that as an example. I'm just using their last one. But it's all about perspective. So in the Yankee world, a drought between 2009 and 2024 is incredibly long. In fact, they're approaching their longest drought that they've ever had. Think about it. They haven't even had long droughts in their history. If you take away their first title, going from their emergence as the Baltimore Orioles to their first championship against the Giants in 1923, take that one out. Their longest drought between winning championships was 1978 to 1996, 18 years. Mm -hmm. That's their longest drought. And now they're three years away from that. And they're slowly approaching that drought. So it's about perspective. Now, you compare it to some of the other teams in this town, not just the Mets, but the Knicks, and the Jets, mm-hmm. and certainly what the Rangers had and what they're now having, well, it is a short period of time. So, like, I think anything in life is just all about perspective. That's what it's about. Jason's in Waterbury. Hey, Jason. Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you today? Good. Good. What's up? Let me, ask, let me ask you guys a question, right? Why would the Knicks, in God's name, want a guy like an old man who plays what he wants, like LeBron James, who never wanted to come here in the first place? Yeah. The guy can't shoot. He plays whatever he wants. If the Knicks were smart, they'd try to make a call for about, you know, Clay Thompson or uh, Paul. I know the Clippers aren't going to trade Paul George, but right. the Knicks need a score. The Knicks need a guy who can but shoot By the way, the Jason, Jason, LeBron Jason. James, he can't shoot. The guy can't make free throws. I disagree. The guy plays whatever he wants. Well, that's He's old. <laughs> come on, are you kidding me? Right, well, Evan, yeah. come on, Evan. Well, okay, another guy who's old is Clay Thompson, but I think Clay Thompson made more sense. I think before the trade deadline, and this well, is the point I made a few weeks ago about Steph and the Warriors, is that that was the older team to kind of hunt yeah. and go after them and say, hey, you guys aren't that good. Are you guys thinking of breaking it up? I mean, get rid of their pieces. Take the pieces yeah. from the Golden State Warriors. And, and if Clay, it, Clay, unfortunately, feels, I don't know, it feels like he's lost it a little bit. Oh, yes. He, he hasn't been the same player since he came back from the Achilles. So, I mean, but he could serve a purpose. If you wanted him to just be a thousand percent sit in the corner and be a spot up shooter, you could do that. You're not gonna get the same Clay Thompson that was championship clay, who was both ends, he was really good, and could score thirty in a in a quarter, but he's valuable, especially when you need shooting, which is what the Knicks need. Clay Thompson before the trade deadline would have been the very interesting let me just see. Yeah. Let me just see if the Warriors are willing to admit, hey, we're not going anywhere. Can we pounce on him? Now, obviously, Golden State's played a lot better. They were going the other way, based on the Woj report, that they were trying to steal LeBron James. But don't diminish LeBron at his age and say, what would he have done for us? Well, he would have had a better chance to win. I think, that's, what, that's what he would have done for you. I th- you know what's interesting is that we heard leading up to the trade deadline, LeBron re- like putting the Lakers on notice. The Lakers didn't do anything. Mm. They didn't. I mean, maybe, they got Spencer Dinwiddie in the buyout market. Yeah, but that's the buyout market. You know, what I mean? <laughs> they didn't really do anything. LeBron made it known this status quo that we're sitting in, this melees that we're trying to figure out, is not good enough. Lakers didn't do a jack. Yeah, the Golden State Warriors probably had a similar conversation with Steph Curry, or at least they had a probably similar feeling. It probably it wasn't public, 
But Steph Curry probably told them, go do something. At least they did something. Yeah, but look. So how strong is LeBron's voice anymore? He's a free agent at the end of the year. Why would you be victim to a guy who may be gone in a year? If anything, they went the other way and said, hey, we'll ask LeBron if he is willing to leave. Yes. Which he wasn't willing to do. Which means that tweet, which everyone tried to draw conclusions from, wasn't a threat. Because he wasn't going anywhere. No, he wasn't. By the way... After this Super Bowl that we had on Sunday night, you know, we came on the air Monday and everybody was talking about every aspect of this game. And the thing that jumped out at me the most was the fact that Kyle Shanahan made a big mistake by taking the ball in overtime. Yeah. And a part of why was that every Kansas City Chief player was coming out and saying, hey, this is what we would have done. We were actually going to defer. So the Niners walked right into what we wanted. Travis Kelsey was on his podcast with his brother. And had something very interesting to say about the decision Kyle Shanahan made and maybe offers us more insight on what the Chiefs would have done and what other teams may do when they are faced with this situation in overtime. So we present to you from the podcast they do together, Travis Kelsey. You win the coin toss. That's that's what you get. You get the opportunity to have the advantage. And they handed it right over to us. Yeah, well, Damn I mean, in, in, not trying to harp, harp on the guy, but it was a huge. Like when they said we want to receive, and the ref looked at Fred and he said, "Are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> you Dude, sure you want to receive?" And he said, "Yeah, I was, yeah, I want to receive. I want the ball." I was, I was texting. Just like, I got. I jumped out of my seat and said, "They're hey, hey, here we go, here we go, let's go, boys. Perfect. They want to receive. We get second possession. We know exactly what they want. Defense, hold them. Just hold them to three. I don't like just hold him to three. We're going to go down here and win this thing, baby. Freaking crazy. Really was. I was texting Nick in the before that even happened because we go over the same situation in playoff football possession. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. First of all, Travis Nick, Kelsey is Nick, Nick Sirianni. I mean, uh, who was talking about? Yeah, you were talking about that the Eagles go over this scenario. Yeah, got too. it. Got so it. the Eagles are more prepared than the Niners. Yeah. Basically, they go through the list. Every team but the Jets and the Niners <laughs> have an idea of what the hell happens in overtime in the postseason. First of all, how about Travis Kelsey laughing at them? I know. Which yeah. I know can be obnoxious, but it proves the point that they were basically thinking, are you sure about this? Yeah. And I don't know if the official actually said that to Fred Warner, but that would be something. No, he's like, are you sure? No, he did. But no, no, with the tone of. No, no, no. Are you sure? He didn't ask him in a questioning way. He gotcha. asked him in a, I just want to make sure that you're what you're saying is right. They do that on the opening kickoff, too. Okay, so it wasn't a sarcastic, <laughs> no, you guys are idiots. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't like the even look. Though, even though, as a winner... Travis Kelsey, he can craft it however he wants. That's true. Right? That's true. The winners make the news. So he makes the narrative. It reminds me of when David Stern announced um, David Stern. David Stern, yeah. Oh, my God, I'm losing my mind. The former commissioner of the NBA, David Stern. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of David Stern's right. Wait a second, am I talking about the wrong guy? <laughs> no, when the commissioner, David Stern, announced the Knicks trading for Frederick Weiss, uh, he had a look on his face as if he was like, these guys are really going to do this. <laughs> are you sure that's what you want to do? Yeah, yeah. Are you so, positive? So the official didn't do that. <laughs> no. But this does bring up something interesting. Because on Monday, when I was arguing that, look, the Niners made the wrong choice, you have to give the Chiefs the ball first, that if they score a touchdown, we come back, we score a touchdown, we go for two, one possession versus one possession, that's it. The one counter against me that was a very good counter Mm -hmm. was made by Sean. Because he said, well, what if the team that scores goes for two? What if you give the Chiefs the ball, they score a touchdown, and they go for two. Yeah. Now you've eliminated the whole, we can end it on one possession, because in the best-case scenario, if they're successful, you got to score a touchdown and go for two, and then they get the ball. Only needing a field goal. Right? Right. 
Did I, you get from that answer that that's what they would have done? I, I believe that in my heart of hearts. And by the way, if that's not what they wouldn't have done, then Andy Reid hadn't fully fleshed out the plan. Because, again, if Andy Reid has coached the team, we don't want the ball first because we want to know what they did so that if, worst case, we need to score and get go for two. We'll go for two. To me, if you're thinking in the back of your head, I'm going to go for two basically anyway, I why wouldn't I do that on the front end to block them if I'm successful from – you know, being able to win the game outright. So, what's the right answer on this? Like, I, does that is that the checkmate on no, the idea that I've had of no. give the other team the ball first? I, and the Chiefs' idea. It, it just matters what you prefer. It matters what piece of information you want. So, or, or you value? Do you value knowledge or do you value possession? Right. Knowledge is I know what I have to do. So, by going second, you know what you have to do. Either score a field goal if they do nothing score a touchdown if they score a field goal or go for two if they score a touchdown. Right. Like you have options and you and you have knowledge. But if you take it like Kyle Shanahan did did and you assume that it's tied again, then you have the extra possession. You have the sudden death possession. But you're playing blind to your point. Right. You're playing, you're blind. playing blind. See, the so, more I think about it's a this, gamble. It's a, it's a yeah. bigger gamble, but it gives you the the, the math advantage. If, if all I, things are equal. Even now knowing, like I'll give you this, Sean. Even now knowing the Chiefs would have gone for two as well, I still give them the ball first. Hmm. Because I think my answer is I want the knowledge. Because think about it this way. Right. I have all these different ways where it works for me. If I hold them to nothing, it works for me, yes. obviously. If I turn them over, it works for me. If I hold them to a field goal, it works for me. I now know, hey... If I kick a field goal, I'm yeah. giving them the ball no back. Matter the, no matter the outcome, you know what you have to do. If they score a touchdown, go for two and fail, works for me too. Because now all I got to do is score a touchdown. I don't have to go for two. I kick the extra point, I win. There's only one scenario where you're like, oh, crap, that didn't work <laughs> out well. And that's when they score a touchdown and convert on two. Yes. And then you're right. Because now, geez, my best case scenario is all I do is match them, and now they get the ball again. Right. But it's more likelier than not that they don't do that last option. So they put me in a spot where let's say they kick a field goal. Okay? They kick a field goal. Right. And now I'm set up with a fourth and three from their 32-yard line. Now I got it all in front of me. Okay, I could try to kick a 50-yard field goal. Mm -hmm. I get it. I also know that. If I get it, they just get the ball back. Right. Or do I say, screw it, I got to go for it? I have knowledge. Kyle Shanahan had no knowledge when he had to make that fourth and four decision. He made a fourth and four decision from the nine-yard line. What did he do? Yeah. He, he had no knowledge, right. so he's like, screw it, I'll kick a field goal. If you knew what the Chiefs had done, you would have been giving yourself one more opportunity. And that's where I stand by everything I said yeah. Monday. You still give the ball to the other team. I think, I think Kyle... Kyle called the perfect play on third down. It was the absolute perfect play. Both two players were wide open for scores. Two players. Brandon Ayuk in the middle of the end zone and Jawan Jennings running a flat or a, you know like a short out route. Both those guys were wide open. His right guard missed or 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 busted cuz he went the wrong way. And it and it disrupted the play. Chris Jones even said this. Like, I think they messed up because nobody blocked and me. And John Feliciano is now in trouble with his teammates for calling that out on Twitter and throwing his other offensive lineman under the bus. Right, he did. But if that, if he makes the correct block, just all you got to do is stand in front of the guy. Right. It's an easy touchdown. But, and it changes everything. But this also yeah. then le plays right into what Andy Reid wanted, which is, 
yeah, go score a touchdown. Yes. I know you're kicking the extra point. Yeah. We're going to go down the field and score because Pat Mahomes goes and does this 100 out of 100 times, literally. He's 100% in these type of situations going to get the winning or tying score, tying or going head store. He's done it seven times in the postseason, in the playoffs, in overtime or with less than a minute to go. He does it every single time. So he knew Pat was going to go score, and then he also knew I was going for two. So so he was he was damned if he did, damned if he did. Well, no, I, I look. Kyle Shanahan was pressed one time about this, and he gave his answer about the possessions. That was his answer. Yeah. I want the extra possession. He didn't factor in all these other things because, quite frankly, I don't think they were prepared for it. No. I think the evidence is there. They were not prepared for a situation like this. And if they were, they didn't talk to their team about it. Team clearly had no idea. Here's what's beautiful about this. Kyle Shanahan may never admit he was wrong, mm-hmm. but he will admit he was wrong because <laughs> I believe he's a really good head coach, despite my criticisms of him over the last three days. And I believe the San Francisco 49ers will be back, at least in the playoffs, which means there's a really good likelihood that at some point the San Francisco 49ers are playing a, an overtime playoff game. Yeah. And when that happens, I will root to the football gods that the Niners will win the coin toss <laughs> because then Kyle Shanahan gets to make the decision again. Uh-huh. And that decision will tell us if he realizes he screwed up because if he does it again and says, same thing, give me the ball, then he's learned nothing from this. See, if he yeah. defers, uh-huh. then we realize, see, it hit him. He was completely unprepared. And now he knows I got to do it differently. Now that Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, Andy Reid have been so vocal about the two-point thing, if nobody was thinking it, I promise you, Evan, you will want the ball first and you will want to go for Disagree. two. Disagree. You will. No. Because you're no, you know that the game gets dictated by your offensive no, no, terms Sean, Sean, no Sean, matter Sean, what. Sean, I'm confused now. Yeah. If I score a touchdown on the opening possession, yep. am I going for two? Yes. yes. I yes. agree with you. Yes. But if you have the choice of getting the ball or not, what do you pick? Now I want the ball. No, I don't want No, because think about it, Evan. If that team does that to me, think about the whole reason we got to the old rules and the old rules before that. The biggest thing we were trying to prevent was a team getting the ball, driving down, kicking a 55-yard field goal, which is like drinking water now, and it's easy. That For that to happen, it's very easy to happen. You trade two-point tries. And the only way you can put yourself in a possession with both Tiki's I want opportunities and blocking no. the opportunity to win is to score first no. and go for two. No. That's the way. Because That's the, the odds are still not that high that your opponent's doing all of that. And no matter what they do, what you have is knowledge when you get the ball back. Hmm. I don't want to give up that knowledge. Yeah. Like the, Even knowing this, I still would give the opponent no, the ball knowledge first. Knowledge is king. But I still think that there is there's an easier way to deal with the overtime because we're so it's so convoluted with the, the what are the, what's the possession mean and when does what does the clock mean? I already talked about it yesterday how it's neutered and it pisses me off that how can you take away this constraint of of football? It's 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 part of the game and in overtime you just get rid of it. It, it makes no sense. It wouldn't stop this debate though. It wouldn't. But the caller that called us, and he said it as he was, we were hanging up on him. Just play another quarter. Right. That is the simplest solution. I know, but they're not going to do it. I, they're but, not changing the overtime rule based on the Super Bowl. it's the simplest solution. I'm so not that, disagreeing so with that you. as you come to the end of the fourth quarter and every quarter subsequently, that whoever's leading wins the game. And by the way, if that was the case, we have a completely different philosophy towards it. But those are not the rules yet. But, and but, I don't think they ever will be. Yeah, but it, it takes away the fairness thing. Right, so if you're so if you're if you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you're down three, just like just like the Super Bowl, let's let's play the Super Bowl out again 
given a new overtime rule, right? That is, you just play a quarter. The Kansas City Chiefs are trying their hardest to score a touchdown. They're not settling. They're not doing like, all right, we're just going to kick the field goal and go in overtime, and then we're going to play this possession or knowledge game that we've been talking about, right? They're not going to do that. They're going to try their hardest to end the game in regulation because if they have to tie, it's going to another quarter. And what happens in that next quarter? There's no coin toss. The San Francisco 49ers get the ball after the kickoff, and now they got to go try to score. And now if they score, great. If not, they give the ball back. The quarter steeps going. So whoever wins at the end of the quarter wins the game. Let's, to me, that's the easiest way to solve overtime. Let's go to Matt on Long Island. What's up, Matt? Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, one thing you guys haven't brought up, I mean, you, you always want to give the other team the ball first because no matter what happens with the first possession, the second possession, the, the, the team that gets the ball second is essentially playing four-down football no matter no, Exactly. Right. That's a great point. So, Matt, that's, so a, that's, the, a, that's an outstanding there's, there's point. There's the advantage right there. That's an outstanding point. You've given Pat Mahomes four downs as opposed to your three. That's a big part of it. By the way, this story in Kansas City is sick. They're, some of the victims are children, oh, and they're God. being treated at a, a children's hospital in Kansas City. So very, very scary as the details come out. We're all hoping when we hear gunshots at this parade, your hope is... Well, nobody got hit. That's your first hope. Your right. first hope is these maniacs shot it into the sky. That is not the case. A few people have been hit. Ten victims have been identified. And just unfortunately, it's disgusting to think about, a few of them are children. So we continue to pray everybody's going to come out of this okay. But the Kansas City Chiefs and the city of Kansas City had a big parade today. It was a great moment for them and all their fans. Obviously, we're all jealous of it. But it ends in horror with a shooting. Now, these two bastards who had the guns, according to the Kansas City Police Department, have been apprehended. So they are being brought to justice. But we continue to hope and pray that the 10 people that are hit are going to be okay. Very quick break. We'll come back. We'll get to more of your calls at 877-337-6666, including where the Super Bowl ranks in history. And Yankee fans, it's spring training time. We'll get to the Yankees coming up, including some of your biggest concerns going into camp. Evan and Tiki here on the fan, horrifying in Kansas City. There were gunshots at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade at the end of it. And as of right now, here's what we know, and we'll keep you posted throughout the day. It's it's a sad story. It's a horrifying story. And hopefully everybody ends up okay. But 10 people apparently got hit by these two gunmen. Apparently there were two of them. They've already been arrested, so they are, they've been stopped. But they fired their gun multiple times, guns multiple times at this parade. At least 10 people have been hit. There are already videos out there of people on the ground, and they're graphic videos. Some kids have been hit. They're at the hospital right now, and the only thing you could hope for now is that everybody's okay, that anybody who suffered any kind of injury from this turns out to be okay. But a horrifying end to what started like a glorious day in Kansas City. It's a championship parade. We started the show talking about how jealous we are of championship parades. Our city hasn't seen it. And obviously this parade in Kansas City ends horribly and we just pray everybody's okay. That's all we can do. So we'll keep you posted on what's going on in Kansas City. But very, very scary story at the tail end of their parade earlier today. Now, coming up this week, we got A-Rod Day, which I'm very excited about. Sean told me I have to be excited mm. about it because he won this. You should be excited about it. Yeah, I started it, by the way. I'm very Because I lost a pickleball. No, 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 no. Oh, why? You started this when you asked A-Rod about having his jersey retired. This is my fault? This is your fault. And you stuck it in Sean's head. And Sean, while he did not talk in that interview to to Alex yeah. when we had him on, you sparked an idea. Is that true? That, so it felt amazing to him when, because he's of that generation where A Rod 
was the man. So when you realized by beating me in pickleball, you could make a show decision. And by the way, I, I had a conversation earlier this morning with the architect of this radio station who came to me and said, I got to tell you, I was ready to change the name of the show. <laughs> he was under the impression that you were going to use that power uh -huh. to put your name on the show. And he showed me artwork. Missed opportunity. Of how they had it already. Like, and this is the architect. This is the boss of the boss, not the one that's leaving us to go to Philly. And I said, yeah. No, he, he decided not to do that. So he yeah. was genuinely surprised that the big show decision you made wasn't that, but was instead this A-Rod day that we are celebrating on Friday afternoon. I want people to remember this. Much like Tiki blowing a kiss after a touchdown, I'm going to hand the ball to the ref guy. I don't <laughs> need my name on the show. People that listen know I'm a big it. part of the show. I like it. I am sacrificing myself for the justice that is A-Rod's number being retired. I am doing this for, I think, one of the great humanitarians of all time, Alex Rodriguez, and I want him to have his the, day. The one thing I'll say, as much as I don't love A-Rod day, I get the concept of it. Earlier this morning, I heard, and it sounded like <laughs> it sounded like an advisor trying to explain something to Joe Biden or me trying to explain something to my grandfather when Giannotti was trying to explain to Boomer why A-Rod would get a day because Boomer's response was, well, why can't I just have Mark Messier day? <laughs> <laughs> and Gio was like, because Messier's already had a day. Like, yeah. He has his number retired. Yes. And then Boomer was like, whoa, why you want what about Derek Jeter Day? It's not a wrong that needs to be righted. <laughs> There's a wrong that needs to be righted. I know. And then, and G's trying to tell him that. Well, you know, A-Rod really hasn't had that. Well, what about Jason Kidd Day? And I'm like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so I, I'm with Boomer and not liking A-Rod Day, but I understand A-Rod Day. I get it. He has not fully been honored by the New York Yankees. The only somewhat honoring they did is when they forced him to retire. Because mm. remember, they did force him to retire. He had to come out yeah. in 2016 and say, I'm done. And he wasn't even really saying he was retiring because I think he was leaving the door open to go to another team. Yes, and but nobody Yankees, wanted him. Nobody obviously. wanted him. Yeah. There were rumors about the Marlins and whatnot. And the Yankees released him. And on that final game, which I think was like a rainy day or something yeah, like that, which was so typical, that was the way they, quote-unquote, honored him. But he hasn't had a day. He doesn't have a monument. He doesn't have a jersey number retirement. So I disagree with you, but I understand the motive of why you want to honor someone that you feel hasn't properly been honored the way Mark Messier has, Boomer, and the way Derek Jeter has, mm -hmm. and the way Mike Piazza has, and the way Jason Kidd has. I don't think there's an athlete in this town that has that kind of contradiction, if you will, yeah. that Alex does. Yeah, and by the way, that'll all be part of the send-off on Friday as well. Have you read the promo yet today, by the way? We're already in hour three of the show. I have not heard it, actually. You want me to read the promo? Yeah, I think we should get one in. Yes. Are you looking for an A-bomb day of sports radio? <laughs> what? This is ludicrous. Are you serious, by the way? Again, the promo team, not me. Okay. Are you looking for an A-bomb day of sports radio? We have you covered this Friday on WFAN as we take the time to pause our lives and honor the closest thing we have. <laughs> Hold on a second. Don't laugh. You got to get through it. I'm sorry. I got to start over. All right. I got to think serious because some of this yeah, is just. Read it seriously. Oh, read it seriously. It is a serious problem. Uh, I like you're reading Duncan. <laughs> Are you looking for an A-bomb day of sports radio? We have you covered this Friday on WFAN as we take the time to pause our lives and honor the closest thing we have come to Jesus himself wearing cleats, <laughs> Alex Rodriguez. 
20 years after the Yankees acquired the chosen one, we celebrate his legacy of MVPs and just plain good old-fashioned clean winning. Stop. Why are you laughing? <laughs> clean winning? Clean winning. We got a nice clean title. Sean, you this really... is A-Rod Day. Do the promo the way it's written. Don't question the promo writers. This is part of his uh, This is part of his winnings. You know what? <laughs> We're going to start over. <laughs> start it over one last time. Are you looking for an A-bomb day of sports radio? <laughs> we have you covered this Friday on WFN as we take the time to pause our lives and honor the closest thing we have come to Jesus himself wearing cleats. Alex Rodriguez. 20 years after the Yankees acquired the chosen one, we celebrate his legacy of MVPs and just plain good old-fashioned clean winning. His number 13 will be raised to the rafters as part of a fun-filled day with guests, tributes, and more. It's A-Rod Day this Friday on Evan and Tiki right here on The Fan and as always free on the Odyssey app. Well done. Well done. Good read, Evan. Clean we actually fun. do have rafters in here as well. Yeah, well, that's it's not fun. just, yep. you know... Hanging it, sticking it on a wall. No, I got there, you. There are rafters around. It's for the TV equipment, for SNY, <laughs> and I guess for our for our stream as well. But there are rafters. So where is his? Where is the jersey going to get hung? Oh, it's a great debate. Is it going to cover Pete Alonso? Oh, you, come on! You no. going to cover Pete Alonso? Oh, that's the truth. Here is there is some thought. There are two places we've discussed. It's covering Pete Alonso's jersey since he's going to be gone out of here in a year anyway. <laughs> Careful. And it's also unfortunately. Covering where Craig Carton has once signed the ball. <laughs> Those are the two options. So two, yeah. Now, I know we have special guests. I have not been told about any of these guests. Are you guys aware of who's coming on the show? Because yeah. I have no idea. We have a couple. Couple. couple are you gonna, is this a surprise, or are you just going to announce it tomorrow, Friday? Are you going to tell me today? No, it's I, up to you. I, Evan, I think that's the point. You should tune in on Friday to hear the special yes. guests. Okay. I look forward to it. <laughs> Some Yankees. Some uh, former teammates of Alex. All oh, the good stuff. Oh, I, I, you know what? I'm so excited for Friday, <laughs> but I'm even more excited for tomorrow because tomorrow is Thursday. Thursday. And not only does Bad Tiki join the show at 4.30, I look forward to that, but me and Lugie have our own plan for tomorrow. Which is? Because tomorrow is anti-A-Rod How can you have an anti-A-Rod day Throughout? before we have A-Rod day? Right, because we need... We're trying to get A-Rod on A-Rod day. Exactly. <laughs> you can't do an anti-A-Rod day before we have A-Rod day when we want to get A-Rod on A-Rod day. It's all fair and balanced. There are a few things no. from A-Rod's career that we will uh, play and discuss no. tomorrow on the program. The last 20 years here have been anti-A-Rod days yes. on the fan. That's the yes. point of having A-Rod day. I You've understand. already had your anti-A-Rod days. I will be on my best behavior on Friday, but tomorrow we're going to have our fun. I'm so anti-anti-A-Rod day. <laughs> I, I couldn't be more anti-anti-A-Rod Day. Now we have to have an anti-anti-A-Rod Day. Uh, let's go to Eric and Seaford. How are you, Eric? Good. How are you guys? Good. Uh, best wishes to uh, Kansas City, first of all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, so I have a couple questions about the Super Bowl. Um, so I actually looked it up while I was waiting. Boomer made a comment after the last touchdown the 49ers made. Um, saying that there was an illegal man downfield. Was that inaccurate? Or was I think that, that was inaccurate because I think um, because Christian, and Tiki could correct me on this, yep. Christian McCaffrey right. caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage, right. and I think that negates the center being illegally downfield. So I think he was wrong about yes. that, Boomer. Yes. Okay, okay. And uh, my second question is, you know, with the coin flip, I know some, someone made a comment that um, the 49ers picked to go first because – to give their defense rest. And yes. I feel like no one's really spoken about that. Yes. At that's, least not that, while I've been that, That's a very good point. Now, I don't know if that was the, like, the possession reason was more important than the than the rest reason, but the rest reason was a real one. 
I mean, they were they were gassed. I, I understand that, but when Kyle Shanahan is asked after the game, and we have the audio, yep. we have to dig it up. I can't. I don't know if Lugie's going to have it in ten seconds, but we have audio of Kyle Shanahan being asked about this. He never brought that up. No, he didn't. He brought up the possession argument. He brought up, hey, we'd rather and, have the third possession or and, however. And he by phrased the way, it. there is a little bit of a break. It's not like. A quarter ends, not like the quarter ends and you go right into overtime. There's right. a little bit of a break. I think there it's is. three minutes or something, yeah. maybe five minutes. But that's not a lot of time. It's not a lot, but it's enough to kind of chill for a minute. Real quick, here's Kyle Shanahan after the Super Bowl being asked about that decision. Something we talked about with, you know, the, none of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked with those guys, and we just thought it'd be better. We wanted the ball third. Um, the both teams matched and scored. We wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win, and um, we got that field goal, so we knew we had to hold them to at least to a field goal. And if if we did, then we thought it was in our hands after that. Yeah, it was and all I, possession again, game. That's why I'm. That's why I think he was right because you assume, and he's not even thinking about going for, the Chiefs going for two. Right? That's that's just that's that's a non traditional way to win a, a Super Bowl. And I know that Chris Jones has said this, and Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid probably even is 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 alluded to it as well. In the moment, going for two to win or lose the Super Bowl oh. is a hard oh. decision to make. Could you imagine? I mean, here's and the reason is that the play that they would have used to go for two was the play they used to score the touchdown. Yeah, why not? It worked once. Try it again. That, but that's their go-to. Right. Like, they, they, they use it in critical moments. Right. They did it against the Philadelphia Eagles in the fourth quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, to, to take the lead against the Eagles. And obviously they did it to win the Super Bowl in this game. So uh, how many great two-point plays do you have? Yeah. That's I, the question. If, if this Super Bowl, which is only the second one to ever go to overtime, as we yeah. all know, came down Vegas to a took a bath two- on that, by the way. Because it went to overtime? Because a lot of people bet overtime. Yeah, we advised it. <laughs> I did it. Lugie did we, we talked about it. If that Super Bowl came down to a two-point conversion, I think it would easily go down as definitely the greatest ending to a Super Bowl yeah. ever, but maybe the greatest Super Bowl ever. And I always like to think about this when we have a great World Series or a great Super Bowl or a great whatever. Give it a couple days. Let it marinate. Yeah. Let it become normal. And then ask yourself, okay, how great was it? Yeah. Was it the greatest of all time? Like, did we witness on Sunday night the greatest Super Bowl of all time? And I think one of the arguments against that would be, but it was boring. Like, you'll hear a yeah. lot of people say that. Well, it was but, a defensive battle in a lot of ways. I don't think that's the way we judge things, though, in life. Hmm. I don't think we judge it based on, hey, for the full allotment of the game, was it pound for pound the greatest game ever? I don't think we as humans think that way. We think about the ending. Yeah. We think about what we remember. Yeah. Were you were you sitting on the edge of your seat, not sure how it was going to turn out at the end? And will you remember this forever? So I'll give you an example. We always talk recently about how boring the Rams-Patriots Super Bowl was. It actually wasn't boring. It was a tie game well, in the fourth it quarter. It was boring, but it was meaningful because it came down to the end. But it, it did, but it didn't. It yeah. didn't come down to the end. Yeah. It was a two-possession game. Like, it was a close game, and then in the final five minutes, the Patriots scored a touchdown, yeah. kicked the field goal. So there wasn't that one moment that jumps out at you. Last year's Super Bowl's one moment that jumps out at you, fair or not, was the James Bradbury holding call. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes it comes out. The Rams-Titans one from 99-2000, we all think about the final play, Kevin Dyson. Yeah, true. We all think about it. The giant Patriot Super Bowl comes down to helmet catch, Burris touchdown, but we kind of forget the Patriots' last possession. Yeah. This game, we will remember 
the decision. Uh-huh. We will remember the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes coming back twice, and we'll remember that last play. None of us remember, like Patriots-Panthers from 2003. Does any of us really remember that the first half of that game was boring? I, the only thing I remember. The first quarter was boring. The only thing I remember is the fumble by Cam Newton. and Je- No, no, that's uh, the Carolina oh, the Panthers. The Broncos. Was, I'm sorry, I'm talking about Carolina Panthers, New England Patriots. Oh, gotcha. gotcha the Janet gotcha. Jackson one. Got it. Yeah, that's got a it. Justin Timberlake fumble. The Timberlake. Yes. <laughs> yes. Intentional fumble. That game... Sucked early on, right? It was low. It was zero zero after one quarter. We don't think about that. No. We think of the ending. I don't even think about the beginning of that game. That's why, if you're going to judge this Super Bowl, and that's why to me it's going to be top five of whatever I've witnessed. We're not judging how the first three quarters went. Yeah, there was the moments that you talked about. Like you could talk about this overtime thing for a week. I think, and I think we will talk about this not necessarily on the fan every day, but I think this is one of those sports discussions that will be around forever. Yeah. The overtime, the mm-hmm. controversy. I'll tell you another one that kind of lives in that history. Sorry, Kyle. The Patriots come back against the Falcons. Oh, no doubt. Because of how epic right. it was. See, and this game was better than that one to me. I agree. Because uh, we thought that game was a blowout. But you're defined by your ending. Yeah, it's true. Though that game was two separate blowouts. That's which right. Didn't make it entertaining in totality. Twenty-one to three at halftime. Ultimately, twenty-eight to three, and then they just got blitzed. And then because of the overtime rule, we knew when the Patriots got the ball, the game was over. There was no drama. They're going to march down the field, they score a touchdown, and this game is over. And that's exactly what they did. It was almost anticlimactic. Because of the rule, I give the rule credit, you had that drama of the decision. Yeah. And then, yeah, we knew the Chiefs were going to win too once they got the ball, but they still had to do it. You know what I mean? No, you're right. And it, and they milked it all the way down to the end to the point where we were confused about whether or not the time meant anything. I think, it ultimately didn't. I think this Super Bowl will go down as one of the most memorable Super Bowls yeah, of our lifetime. Well, there's a lot of ancillary things to talk about. It, first of all, the dynasty of the the uh, not the Patriots, the Kansas City Chiefs, and can they catch the Patriots? The the goat status of Pat Mahomes, part of it. The decision by Kyle Shanahan, the lack of being able to win games that you have a lead in by also Kyle Shanahan, the offensive player of the year and Christian McCaffrey who didn't get the ball in the second half enough. Right? There's so many things that you can talk about. And then the overtime rules. There's a lot of different levels to the Super Bowl that make it interesting. So do you think it goes down top five to, of all time? As opposed to just the game. Maybe not top five because it wasn't – it wasn't. It didn't feel like a slugfest. It felt like, all right, here's, have to be, here's a mistake, here's a mistake, you know, field long field goals, things of that nature. But I, I think it's one of the fo- top five memorable ones. Like you'll remember this Super oh, Bowl. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And I don't think that's the prisoner of the moment saying. No. No, you remember it because of all of those things that have happened. If you had game. a Cinco de Five right now of great Super Bowls not involving the Giants, this is in the top five. Easy. Definitely. Yeah. It would be in the top five to me, even involving the Giants. Hmm. Oh, wow. Even with the Giants. Now, great. With your own team. I have to be fair. I am going post Chargers, Niners, Super Bowl, and on. Because that's the first Super Bowl I, I understand remember. that. Look, not most of us don't remember every Super Bowl. Yeah. We're not old enough. Some of us do. I, good I for can, you if you do. I'll rip them all for you right now. I think the first Giant Patriot one, 42, because of the ending undefeated. Mm-hmm. I think this Super Bowl. I think Titans-Rams. I think Seahawks-Patriots, the Malcolm Butler game. Yeah. And I just had the, oh, and the, the Cardinals-Steelers. Yeah, of all the ones you said, I'll tell you the one that jumps out at me where I was like, okay, that one's a close one. It's Patriots-Seahawks. Because... Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've ever walked away stunned the way we walked away. Like, to yeah. have that game end on an interception, when you yeah, think yeah. it's being handed off to the best running back at that time, and we're all assuming it, and we're rooting for it, I think most of us, 
I think that supplied, I give this to you in like wrestling terms. Yeah, that was the, shocking. The biggest swerve you'll ever see. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you're watching WrestleMania next month, and as Cody Rhodes is about to finish the story, okay, the more talented Rhodes, that's mm. for sure. <laughs> as he's about to finish the story, I'm just going to give you a major swerve for wrestling fans. Seth Rollins kicks him in the face, right? And then Roman wins. And Roman wins, and everybody, that would be, no one's saying it's great, no one's saying it's good. That would leave people at the end of WrestleMania being like, what the, what? <laughs> that's what the Seahawk-Patriot ending was. By the way, you think that's going to happen? You like that one? You like that story I just wrote? You think it's going to happen? I mean, I, it could. I wouldn't put it past it. Get the shield I mean, back together? Right. Roman Reigns is trying to be the hold the record, right? How yeah. many more, how many, a year and a half he's got? Well, which record? I mean, the Bruno record will never get to. The Hogan record the Hogan. he's got less the than Hogan. a year. Yeah, yeah. less than go. a year. I mean, that could happen, but, but my point is, like, if something like that <laughs> happened, 95% of people would hate it. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. But you'd never forget it, and it would be a swerve. Well, the, the difference in sports like the NFL is it it's not scripted. Well, like, it, would just, it, would just, it would just happen. That's what you're saying. <laughs> but the end of the Patriots-Seahawks game was something that most people didn't want, but it's one of the great endings of all time. And it swerved us. Like, we're like, you can't, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. You got to be kidding me that it ended that way. That one was shocking. That's why that it was one shocking. That one to me is probably it number one. Was it even third down? Was it third down or was it second? I can't even remember. Now. I think it was second down. I memory tells me. I could I, be wrong. I believe it was second down because I believe Pete Carroll's reasoning was they were going to have to throw on one of the three downs right. through then. All right. So throw on, throw when you have to. Right. I agree. <laughs> not, not when you run when you need to. But that's one we'll never, ever forget. Let's go to Ethan in New Jersey. What's up, Ethan? Hi. Um, so I think there's, there's a a point that you guys have missed on in the rule for overtime. Good. And I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it to you. This was pointed out to me by a friend this morning, and I couldn't believe it, so I actually went to the rule book. I right. love it. I love and it. Go. In 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 rule 16, article five, subsection C, <laughs> the opportunity to possess only applies during kicking plays. A kickoff is the opportunity to possess for the receiving team. If the kicking team illegally recovers the kick. The receiving team is considered to have had its opportunity. Yeah. yeah no, so no, there's what you're another is, way they could have won the game. Yeah, it's onside kick. You, the onside kick is how you yeah. – but it eliminates the, the receiving team's possession. So, right. So, so there, there are two ways you could do that. Either you, you, you either defer and then onside kick and get the ball back and score, or you onside kick after scoring a touchdown and the game's over. Yeah, here's the problem. I'm not surprised that that's the rule, but recovering an onside kick is impossible. Huh. Like, it just it doesn't happen. So why would anybody risk hold, that? Hold on, hold on. Let me time out here. Go ahead. He might have hit on something. So if you're Kyle Shanahan, okay, and you want to disrupt the other team, you want to disrupt the Kansas City Chiefs. Second and goal from the one-yard line, by the way. Yeah. Second, I knew. I thought it was second down. Second so, down, one yard long. So you go, hmm. so you go down and score, but you have to score a touchdown, and then you onside kick it. Why would you do that? Because the chances of you it wins the game for you. Correct, you, but if, you're not going to do it. You're right, not going to succeed. All right, so you're already making the assumption that they're going to score a touchdown. Like, so if you're, I'm thinking of Kyle <laughs> Shanahan's thought process <laughs> here. That? No, seriously, yeah. hear me out. Kyle yeah, Shanahan, in his mind is saying, in the moment, we just listened to the clip, in the moment, the third possession mattered to us. Like, we wanted the sudden death, sudden, sudden death possession. Right. Right? So, if in his, he should have, 
if he had scored a touchdown, and he didn't score a touchdown, so this is mute, but whatever. Let's see, if he scored the touchdown, you onside kick it because it, you now have control. It gives you some modicum of control of the outcome of the game right. because if you recover that un- onside kick, game's over. It game's over. That's where, your way where, to keep the ball out right, of Mahomes' hand. If you kick it, yeah. then they have control because they can go down and try a two-point conversion. Right. So you try to get the onside kick. If you don't, they score a touchdown. Hopefully you stop them. Or maybe they just kick the extra point, and now you got what you originally wanted, which is the third possession. So the onside kick is is not even thought about. And imagine the surprise yeah. of a team getting onside I, kicked in, this, in, the, in overtime I get, in a Super Bowl or, I get or a playoff game. The strategy. That's actually a brilliant idea. But it's so not effective. But it doesn't have to be effective because yeah. it gives the field position to the other team. The only thing you have to now worry about is, is them going for two. Right. But the only way for you to get control of the outcome of the game is is to take their possession away. Yeah. And the, an onside kick I get takes their possession away. I get away. what you're saying. Look, I'm going to give up 25, 30 yards in field possession. Yes. That's pretty much what I'm giving up. Yes. For that small possibility, yes. I recover it, and then he never gets the ball, we win. And game's over. Yeah. Game is over. And if they do score and they kick the extra point, I now have the third possession. Or they try to go for two, either they win or we stop them and we I, win. What kind of sucks it, about it? All... Put, like, there's three outcomes there, right? Yeah. What do you think? So there's three outcomes. It's the onside kick, you recover, you win. They score a touchdown and tie, and then you have the advantage because you have the third possession. They score a touchdown and go for two and make it and lose. So there's there's four outcomes. Right. Three of them are in your favor. It, so it, kicking the onside kick, actually, now that I talked myself into it off of that call... <laughs> Is the way to get a seventy-five percent chance of being? Oh my god, seventy-five percent! Seriously, three out of four. Three out of four of the outcomes. Obviously, you know, one of them is losing because right. they go down and score a touchdown and, and go for two and they win. But the other three are all in your advantage. The, the they thing, score a touchdown, go for two and miss it. They kick the extra point. You have the third possession. You recover the onside kick. You win the game. Yeah, it's actually the way to do the, it. The thing that sucks about all of this <laughs> is that the NFL postseason overtime rule is so fascinating. We could argue a million different things mm-hmm. off of it. But it's so rare. Like it is if this rare. was a regular season thing too, I know why it would never happen because they don't mind right. ties. Then it would be like, oh yeah, I can't wait to see what Robert right. Sala does. But the truth is, it's only in the playoffs. Right. We but, don't get overtime playoff games all the time. But when the hell's the next time we're even going to get this juicy scenario? But think, but think about the lines of this playoff. None of the not until the Super Bowl was the line tight. Right. I think I feel it was like six or seven. Right. Or but the Super Bowl was two. Yeah. So it, that's why Vegas took a bath, because if the line is two and it's less than three, most people are going to say, this could be a tight game. I'm going to bet overtime. Right. And so it, you got overtime. Dude, betting overtime is one of the, mo- the, the most fun bets you can make. It right. really is, because right. if you don't what have was a it, real... Plus 900? No, or... better than that. It was like 1,200. Plus 12? Yeah. I think it was like 12 to 1. Right. It's one of the most fun things to do, because you're just rooting for a good game. Like, essentially, that's all you're rooting for. And it ain't that convoluted the way some of these prop bets can be. Oh, I need certain rushing yards. I need this. I need yeah, that. Yeah. And you start rooting for play calls, which is kind of dumb. Like, who wants to do that? <laughs> but when you bet overtime, it's the most simplistic, fun thing you could do in sports. Right. I'm rooting for the game to be close. Yeah. Like, yes. what? That's that's yes. it. And then when you get it, it's it's like, whoa, that was a pretty good reward. Let's go to Jeff on Long Island. Hey, Jeff. Yes, how you guys doing? What's up? What's up? So, <laughs> couple things. Tiki, I love you. Huge Giant fan. Thank but you, But you were absolutely wrong 
about just playing the first uh, a quarter for overtime. Because what happens if there's a tie? They play, play another, another quarter. quarter. Yeah. Yes. And then what happens yes. if there's another tie? You play another quarter. You play another quarter. You can play a whole, whole other whole game. It, I mean, but that's basically. You have basic... to have sudden death at some point. No, no. Well, clearly they don't because the time doesn't matter. The new overtime rules neuter time. It doesn't mean anything. Trust like fifteen minutes is a long time to play football. Yeah, and now look, you're playing seventy five minutes. They played seventy five minutes of football at the Super Bowl because right. it came. I mean, it was six thirty drive and a six six seven sixteen drive and a seven thirty eight drive. Right. There was a three seconds left at the end of the game. So, it, I mean, it's worth it though. Well, but also like in it's the, the last game of the season in the NHL, and and I think this is you know Sean made a point a few weeks ago that caused my veins to pop out of my head, but I understood where he was coming from. It came from a reasonable thought, mm. and that was as much as we all love the NHL playoffs, and we do. I love the NHL playoffs as casual as I am. We all do. Overtime games can become insane. Mm-hmm. Like they never end. Yeah, and you routinely get. Double and triple overtime and quad like you get crazy overtimes almost often. I would say it's almost often in the National Hockey League. And to the point with some of these games, especially after a long season and a long series, the games at the end become like, oh my God, these guys yeah. barely move. They're right. they're exhausted. So Sean brought up on the air recently, look, I know this is unpopular. I'd have the shootout in the NHL playoffs, which caused my head to explode. But I understood where he was coming from, which is hey, there's a lot of crazy overtime games in hockey. Our last caller is concerned about that in football. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, that won't happen. No. Like, the idea that the NFL playoffs would turn into, like, four-overtime war of attrition. Yeah, a whole nother game. It's not happening. I think it'd be really, really rare. I think, for the most part, games would end in one overtime. Yep. And sometimes they'd go double overtime. Right. I don't think we'd be sitting here saying, okay, this is never going to end. I think you get that sometimes in the NHL, which you could argue is amazing, but then also tiring. Yeah, that hockey game ain't on until 2 a.m. Yeah. We've had a lot of those. Right. But I don't think that would ever happen in the NFL with 15-minute quarters. Like, no, I don't I'd... think we would ever run into, oh, my God, this thing's never going to end. Yeah, and and maybe this is – I'm a prisoner of this most recent Super Bowl in overtime. It went so fast because it was just two possessions. Right. It Did went... they play less commercials, too? Um, no, no, I don't think so because I remember asking, like, who gets shot – who gets the sh- – like, what commercials play in overtime? Yeah, what they do? And so they sell them on the contingency. Oh, wow. And so in the case that there's overtime, here's your rate for overtime, mm. which is probably higher than the rate for any moment in the game because now everybody's watching. Holy crap, I just realized something. I don't know the answer to this because this is the first year I didn't do it. I didn't do a box game. I felt bullied by the box game. <laughs> That's right. How the hell does that work? Oh, it's easy. Go it's ahead. always, always, unless you're running a pool like an idiot, final score. You get nothing for the fourth quarter. Really? Uh, it is always first quarter, halftime, third quarter, final score. So if uh, you had it. the correct score numbers at the end of regulation, didn't matter. Too bad, how sad. Interesting. Oh, wow. Now, you better make sure if you're running one of these games that you declare it, because some will declare first quarter, halftime, third quarter, fourth quarter, and then all chaos breaks loose. But this became a big deal on that Falcon Patriot game. Some got caught with their pants down. Well, yeah. That was a learning moment. This point going forward, everybody puts final score. That's true. That Patriot Falcon game at least gave us our test run because it was yes. our first ever overtime game. Yes. This was only our second. And this was my first year of not playing the box game. And I don't think I cared in 16 because I was probably out either way. So it didn't matter. Like, ah, I didn't win. And it paid off because anytime you get a two, you think you lost. And 2-5 was the winner. That's all right. 2-5 right. was the winner. Russ and Best Page. What's up, Russ? Hey, guys. Uh, a couple things. One thing for Tiki, but first, Sean, how old are you? Uh, 36. 
All right. So I'll forgive you for not putting Bills Giants on in your top five. Yeah. Yeah, right. I, I said Chargers Niners on because that's all I remember. Yeah, I, I got you, and I forgot what year that was. Tiki, Yo. you, you said it perfectly, right? It wasn't a slugfest, so it doesn't make a top five. You're right. But in terms of memorable, I'll give it to you. Yeah, because all that's the stuff Tiki. you can't forget. <laughs> yeah, so you, you said it perfectly. But Tiki, i got to ask you a question. I've been asking for a while. Go ahead. Watching you play, I, I've been a Giant fan forever, right? 86, first Super Bowl I watched. Okay. Your, your cutback runs, were they designed – were they counters? Not not all, just, not, not all of them. Here? Not all of them. So it's it's a great question because when Coach Pope and Sean uh, Payton started putting in all of these misdirection runs, some of them were intentional cutbacks. So I'd, it'd start one way, the puller was going the other way, and I'd come out the back door. It was all to get motion. It was just to take the middle linebacker off his line by a step because if once he took a step, then my guy, right. my alignment, had the leverage. But right. but but so I was taught this and I, I asked Saquon this when we had a Giants game this year because their steps, same plays that we used to run, the steps are different now. And Saquon takes a drop step and he goes downhill for that weak side gap run. And I'm and I'm looking at him, I'm like, like you're not making the linebacker move. You're not making the offensive line move because you're stepping and going downhill. When I when we used to do it, we used to be taught to roll it. So take an open step and roll really wide. So it looks like you're taking an outside zone play. And when you do that, right. it creates a wave. So if you ever hear me call a game, I'll talk about how running backs will ride the wave. And it and it's it's like it's really like a wave. It's like mm. a diagonal line. And well, once you get well, to they, it, you just keep you just keep going like back. Outside the tackle. Will will they go outside the tackle and then cut back? No, that's like, hard. That's that's that that's hard. We used to do that's that. Far, right? Yeah, we used to do that, uh, Russ. We used to do that via toss. We used to have a toss scissors. So we would toss it. So the action looks like, dude, this guy, they're running to the sideline. And then I would take two steps on the toss. My guard would take one step and then turn around. And so it was a toss scissors. So the only way to get outside the tackle and come back, you have to you have to design it. But I mean, cutbacks are how I made my business. I was a I was a slasher. Mm. Uh, if in fact, my longest run in my career with that 95-yarder against the Oakland um, Raiders, that was that was that's supposed to be outside the the tackle, hit the tight end, just get three yards. But Sean O'Hara cut off the back door, and I knew it as soon as he cut off the back door because the backside linebacker was on the line of scrimmage. If he cut it off, there was nobody there, and so I played it right. I didn't give it away. Took three steps downhill, saw Sean cut it off on this corner of my eye. And stuck my foot in the ground and went back door. Palaxico made a great block, and then he turned around and made another block for me, and I went 95 yards for a touchdown. But it was just part of my game. How tired were you after that? I was running, running, running 95 yards makes me tired. I was old, man. I was slow, so I was just kind of chilling. You were just chilling. Yeah, I mean, you were just chilling. Like when just, you're done with had, that run, did you I, like? So I had one thing to do on that run. Go back and watch it. I had one thing to do. Run? No. Oh. Make the safety miss. Mm. And I made this crappy like. Old bad old man cut. Well, but it I worked. Just, I just kind of like eh, eh. it was like it was stiff. It was bad, but I I made a miss. Right, and then Plexico came and just cleans up the corner, mm. just ear holes him and knocks him out of the way. And so I'm still free running. Plex turns around, right, click, click, ear holes this guy, turns around and goes and blocks the other safety. Wow. And then Amani comes from the other side of the field. And blocks the other corner. Jeez, they did all the work. They did all the work. The hell did you do? Right? I use I use <laughs> that play when I give talks about teamwork. Right. Because everyone 
like the video was like Tiki for MVP, Tiki for great, Tiki, we love you, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> right? O'Hara made the cutoff block, right? Uh, sh- uh, Luke Pettigrew blocked two at the end of the line of scrimmage. I made the cutback, made the safety miss. Everything else was my teammates, my my wide receivers escorted me down the field. There I'm not go. good without them. All, right. all my big runs came because that happened every single time. That's a selfless player right there. No, it's, it's all just, about it's just teammates. Facts. No, I know. It's just facts. Some guys may not want to call that out. You do. Selfless right there. We'll get back to your calls coming up, 877-337-6666. Now, this is the one thing you feared. When you heard about the shooting at the Chiefs Super Bowl parade is that someone was going to die, and now they are reporting at least one person was killed. Nine others are injured in this shooting that took place at the very end of the Super Bowl victory parade that the Chiefs were having today. So there were two guys or two people. I don't know if there were guys. Two people had guns. They go off, and now it's being reported that one person is dead. Nine others are injured. Uh, of the injured, and this is according to NBC News, three are in critical condition. Five are in serious condition, and one person had non-life-threatening injuries, according to the Kansas City Fire Department. Uh, Now, I just saw a video, and and think about what these heroes did, because there are two guys shooting people, and there's someone who we see chase them down Hmm. and tackle the shooters and stop them. Now, eventually they're detained. They've been detained now. But there is somebody who's a hero, could have saved many more lives, because who knows how long this would have gone on, right. who literally tackles these shooters, brings them to the ground, and then the police are then able to get over there very quickly and apprehend them and stop this from becoming even worse than it already is. And what it already is is a horrible tragedy at the end of the Super Bowl parade with one person unfortunately losing their life. Yeah, this this motive we don't know, and it's it's regardless, it's senseless, and we pray for the the victims out there in Kansas City, and really for the whole city of Kansas City. This was a, supposed to be a celebratory day. We're talking about the dynasty of the Kansas City Chiefs, and now we're talking about a tragedy with one person dead, and we know that some of the injured are children. Yeah, so children. I mean, it's freaking, it's right. it's heartbreaking, and it's scary. It's scary that like this could happen at any moment, because I think in like this world we live in, there's this assumption, or at least I had the naive assumption. Let me make that clear. A naive assumption. Of it's all happy. It's Super Bowl parade. Nothing mm-hmm. could go wrong. I started the show today talking about man, we got to have one of these championship celebration. Everybody's happy. I'm jealous of them, but it's fun jealousy. Sports, the things that don't matter. And then you get reminded that this world sucks sometimes. Right. You just get reminded that you never know. You just never know, no matter what you do, what kind of maniac, what kind of evil bastard could come out there for who knows what the motive is. It doesn't even matter. It's just some sick, you know what, to come out and do something as senseless and tragic as this. And it's scary as hell because the truth is, and I hate to be morbid, but I'm sorry when something like this happens, you become morbid. You realize this could happen to any one of us when you go down the street with our kids. You have no freaking idea. When something like this is going to happen, because you had two people who are psychotic, who should be brought to justice, and they will, who decided for no reason whatsoever to start shooting people. That's what someone decided to do in Kansas City, Missouri today. Just senselessly shooting people. And now we've got kids injured, and we got somebody who's dead. And it's scary as hell. And that's the world we live in. Yeah, and it's sad. Very sad. So what we'll try to do is... Try to entertain you with the stuff that doesn't matter, which is sports, which is the truth. It really doesn't matter. And we'll continue to update you as we get more information about this. But obviously, a tragedy in the city of Kansas City today as they were having their big Super Bowl celebration for winning the championship from Super Bowl Sunday a couple of days ago. And I saw some clips from the celebration. You know, Travis Kelsey singing. 
He's mm-hmm. having a good time. <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco's like dancing. The fans are so happy. And obviously it ends in tragedy. And even if you weren't hit, imagine being at that. Oh, and yeah. imagine having that memory now in your brain for the rest of your life, especially if you're young. Oh, yeah, it's traumatizing. You're, you're, you're scarred by things like this. And you hate to think that young people whose minds are so impressionable are going to remember what should have been a celebratory day with this kind of tragedy and negative thoughts about public spaces. Mm. And so, it's, it, I mean, it, all you can say is it's sad, and we pray for them. No question. And we hope that everyone who's injured right now comes out of this, And but we already have a fatality, which is just, like, right. it's sickening. Like, when, when Sean told us this story, you hear it, and I got to admit, sometimes you hear something, it doesn't feel real. Like you hear it, and you're like, oh, that, that sucks. That's crazy. And then as time goes by, it sinks in about how real it is. And mm-hmm. certainly hearing that some innocent person lost their life today senselessly just brings into focus how effed up this whole thing was and how scary things are in yeah. this world we live in. So continue to keep us updated with more information. But that's the latest we've heard. Uh, Ten people are injured. A few of them are in critical condition. We've lost a life today. Uh, the Kansas City Police Department's, I think, holding a press conference right around now to continue to update. So definitely listen to that and tell us what we learned. Now, we try to distract you with other stuff because everything else seems so meaningless. Like the Yankees went to spring training today. Big freaking mm. deal. They had a catch today. yippity doo da. Aaron Boone told us basically nothing today. Mm. He told us, hey, we're going to play baseball, and I think we're going to be good. In fact, Aaron Boone was like in midseason form. And I don't mean that as a knock. I mean that as Aaron Boone, after wins or losses, will say, we're going to knock it real soon, man. We're going to really hit. It's all going to come together. And I watched a little bit of his press conference today, and I was like, this feels as if it's May. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to hit he the w- ball, man. We're going to be good. He wasn't talking about the whole team being good, but he did specifically talk about, yeah, we're going to have we're going to we're going to score some runs. Yeah. Right? We're going to we're going to have a good offense this year. And I'm thinking about it. I'm saying that's fine, but shouldn't you be at this point talking about the pitching staff's going to be good too, and well, the bullpen's going to be good too. Shouldn't I mean you should say everything is going to be good at this point? Here's which a, may be a point of concern. You know, right? what? he's not optimistic about the about the rotation. It's funny. So I think about what he said, and I also look at the roster, and I think about the New York Yankees, a team who I said at the top of the show is the closest to us seeing a championship in this town. In my opinion, they're always that answer. I look at them and say, okay, what is my biggest concern about them? And I don't disagree with you when it comes to pitching. Mm -hmm. You know, Sean brought up the other day the bullpen. And I agree. There's concerns about their bullpen. Even though their bullpen seems to be good every single season, I don't know if every year we can just make the assumption, well, Cashman figures it out, it'll be fine. Like, there are questions around that bullpen. But what I like, I'll start with a positive, is that they have an identity again. And their identity is not just having the best starting pitcher in baseball. Their identity is they have a lineup that should scare you. And I don't mean fans, like Yankee fans. Like, they should scare you because they stink. No, the opposite. Like, when you have a lineup that is going to feature two of the top five bats in all of baseball, and I'm probably being pretty conservative when I say that, two of the best three bats in Major League Baseball, whatever you want to define it as, and they're going to hit back-to-back. And they also have two of the greatest eyes in all of baseball, which means you're not getting Juan Soto out by making him fish. You're not mm-hmm. getting Aaron Judge out by getting him to chase. You're going to have to deal with two guys that even when they're not slugging, they're walking right. and they're getting on base. And I look at the Yankees for the first time in a while offensively and say, they have an identity, and that identity is scary. Right. And like, this lineup can be really, really good. Yeah, and the other you know piece of this, at the beginning of last season, Anthony Rizzo was on fire. He felt like the best Yankee 
at the beginning of the year. And then at some point, you know, after the concussion, which wasn't fully diagnosed or correctly diagnosed, he started to trail off. But if he returns to that form, and I know it's it's unlikely because um, because of his age and he's getting up there, but and he had a bad year and basically set out the last third of the season. But if he pits as well, now you really got some scary situations. That's in, what I'm saying in, in your in your lineup. They have a they have a chance to have a very very good lineup. The problem is. You mentioned the starting pitching, and that would be one of my biggest concerns. What is the depth after Garrett Cole, and what does this bullpen look like? And those are going to be the two things that I think will cause the Yankee fan to be concerned throughout February and March and could be the death knell of the team, could be the thing that brings this team down. But him talking about the lineup today kind of reminded me and told me this lineup can be freaking awesome. No, I mean, it should be. And we look, I'm I'm most interested, to be honestly – I'm most interested to see Giancarlo Stanton. Not see him hit and see him play and do whatever he's going to do, but I'm I'm more interested. I want to see what he looks like because all we've heard is how he lost weight and how he was taking like his fitness to a different level and not just lifting weights and being strong and massive and smashing home runs. I'm interested to see what Giancarlo Stanton looks like. Oh, yeah, and that makes it even scary. Like, when you think about that. Like what he like like is the eye test. Like, right, what, right. Does he, what does he look what's his body look like? Is he still stiff and muscle-bound, or did he actually lean out and become a little bit more of the athlete that he should be? Yeah. I mean, that would even make this lineup deeper, and that's the thing. They can have an identity that they haven't had in a long time. They used to. There was a time where the Yankee lineup would be that deep and that scary. Yeah. And look, when I think back to last year on why they failed, they failed because they didn't hit. Mm -hmm. Like I think it's as simple as that. Now, they had issues in their rotation, don't get me wrong, but they failed because they couldn't hit. And so that's the one thing that would get me very excited if I'm a Yankee fan coming into this season. The idea that maybe I can. Maybe my offense, for the first time in a few years, can be that identity I used to have. And that's what, that's what Boone was talking about today. I think that's what, he, that's what he was trying to get at. He was trying to get at, look, we know that we should be better on offense. Obviously, Aaron Judge is healthy. Hopefully, he's nothing freak that happens again. But if we're healthy on offense then we should hit. We should have a really good offense, and I think he's right. And you know what happens when you have a really good offense? What's that? You can sometimes make up for the deficiencies you have in other areas. If this is a team that's going to score five and a half runs a game, that's what they're going to be, and they could be, mm-hmm. especially if they're healthy, especially with those two big monsters in the middle of your lineup hitting 2-3 and Judge and Soto, then there are going to be days where you win 11-7. Yeah. Like, I think, unfortunately, for the Yankees last year, a big part of why they only won the 82 games is they didn't win enough games like that. No. They had too many days where if they didn't pitch really, really well and kind of fit it through the keyhole and win 4-2, to two, they weren't winning. So the idea that you may have an offense that can actually score every once in a while 10 or 11 runs, that you can do that, that could be the identity, and that was what would excite me the most coming into this season. What would concern me is, yeah, what would concern me is more the depth of the pitching especially the starting pitching. They don't have a lot of depth. Like, Luis Heal is a guy Boone brought up today. It's, ah, don't forget Luis Heal. Okay, I'm not forgetting him. Yeah. What's he going to be? Right. If you need him to make starts every five days because, let's say, Nestor Cortez is hurt, or let's say Carlos Radon is hurt, and by the way, both guys were hurt last year. I can't assume they're all going to be healthy. Then that could be a big, big problem. The depth, because their depth took a hit by making the Juan Soto trade. They don't have the same depth mm-hmm. that they used to have. So I think it's the depth of the rotation that would scare me the most. Now, yesterday, Sean, you said it was the bullpen, which I'm surprised by because most Yankee fans say, ah, bullpen will be fine. They always figure it out. 
No, no, no. They'll be fine is our assumption, but I'm also going to the assumption as a positive Yankee fan as we enter spring training that everything will be fine. If I had to pick one and I was flipping a coin, I see more names in my starting rotation that I have seen good from than I do out of my bullpen. I could see the ifs clicking in the rotation more than the bullpen. It doesn't mean I don't trust the bullpen, but if I had to pick one, definitely right now I think it's more on the If I had to pick one, that means you're like cocky. Yeah. I kind of am. <laughs> really? And by the way, can I add one more level of cockiness to yeah. this? Something I had completely forgotten until today is I'm getting baseball mode on the run in. Joe Espada's the Astro manager. We're going to lose the clueless Joe Espada as the Astro manager. <laughs> Why are you ripping Joe Espada? What the hell do you do? I love Joe Espada. He was kind of a fun, gimmicky Yankee coach, but there were a lot of times, and you know this when you were a Yankee fan, when you watched him doing whatever roles you had with the Yankees, he was kind of like our cartoon character that you knew he was kind oh, of there. Like, I, by the way, he might be a great man. I don't trust Joe Espada as a manager. I don't care how good the Astros by are. By the way, for many, many years, Dusty Baker couldn't win the big one, and then he smoked your ass in the ALCS. Yes, but like, we've seen Dusty Baker be a good manager. I've never seen Joe Espada manage a game. Yeah, I got news for you. All right. Does it really matter? Yeah. If you have great <laughs> players, you're probably going to be fine. Jose Altuve. Our right. managers completely Jose. They're, they're completely overrated. Yes and really, no. Really, your, your confidence about beating the Astros is going to jump on. spot as their manager Be now? fair about something. What? Every Major League Baseball team, and this goes for every professional sports team, faces moments of adversity during a year. And while a lot of these managers now might be data applicators... There is still a management of egos that needs to go on the room. And the Astros are full of guys who have won before and are full of egos. Am I confident that this manager, at moments of adversity, I don't think, I I don't see that in a Joe Spada. I completely agree with you from the aspect that the most important job a manager has is managing egos, Mm -hmm. is managing those personalities. That's why Joe Torre was a great manager. He certainly wasn't a great manager because of the way he handled bullpens or strategic decisions. It was that when you have a lot of big egos on your team, a lot of huge egos on your team, you have to somehow manage them. That's why they're called managers, Tiki, and not coaches. That's right. Skips. I'm sure you've wondered, like, why in football and basketball and hockey? It's coaches. And in baseball, it's managers. Because all you're doing is managing a bunch of big egos. And they're called skippers because they're in charge and want people skipping along. You really love that term, don't you, Skippers? <laughs> I do. Skippers. No, it does, because when we add Boone on... It's, like, a, it's, a, it's a nautical thing, obviously, but... You, you just love calling him Skipper. Hey, Skip. can I call you Skip? Hey, Skip. Hey, Skippy. Hey, Skip. But it, it's like Captain or Colonel. But or... I, gotta, I gotta get back to how cocky he is. That's a very cocky Yankee fan. I'm really not worried about anything, but if well, I had to pick something because you're forcing you, me... If you're a Yankee fan and, and health being given... Why, why shouldn't you be cocky? Right. I right. mean, the thing that derailed the Yankees last year was all of the injuries, you know, particularly to the starting rotation. And so now you're you're scrambling every two days. Yeah, to but find... wait, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, yes and no. Carlos Rodon wasn't good when he pitched. Oh, Nestor Cortez uh, wasn't that good when he I know, pitched. but he was hurt. Oh, so we're blaming everything on injuries. Not everything. I mean, you're saying the only reason he struggled is because of injuries? Nestor Cortez. We never saw a healthy Carlos Rodon. I know. Did we? we? He made starts, and when he made starts, he wasn't good. Yeah, but again, uh, you're just saying, well, he was hurt, so it doesn't count. But he came back. He was was battling back, basically missed most of spring training there at the end, came back. And by the way, I crushed him for it. Everybody's healthy right now, and if you're going to assume injury, i got to assume that for all the other American League contenders, too. I'm sorry. 
And if I'm I'm going Yankee bullpen, Yankee rotation, I look at the Astros now, and I think they have a major question, and it's that manager. So, yes, well, I am speak, cocky and peacocking. Speaking of injuries, and this impacts the Yankees, and it impacts the Mets, Justin Verlander revealed he's a little bit behind mm-hmm. with some elbow issues. Justin Verlander. And so, obviously, that's negative for the Astros. Who did he, would he be not there. say? What? Who has he not said? Who are you talking about? Our former president. <laughs> oh, I, I can't. I, I don't know about that. I mean, Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Any athlete possible. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Verlander would start opening day for the Astros, and he's their ace. And I think if he throws 150 innings or more, I have to look at the exact number, the Mets would be on the hook for $17.5 million next year wow. on an option. Wow. So the Mets and the Yankees would both benefit from Justin Verlander not pitching. 140 innings. 140 innings, which wow. is even lower. Yep. Yeah. They'd be on the hook for 17.5. That said, like, I'm not sitting here rooting for injuries. I don't yeah. think you are either, but here's Just the money, deal. Though. Injuries are going to happen. Like, I don't know what's going to – we already got one with the Yankees. It felt minor with Scott F. Ross and even Trevino being out a little bit behind in spring training. But there's going to be big injuries over the next few weeks. That's just the way it is. But I'm surprised I got to hear, like, cocky Sean on the Yankees. I didn't think that was the case. I thought you were confident, Sean. I didn't know you were cocky, Sean. Cocky Sean is now appearing as spring training. Wow, because hit. it's baseball time. It's baseball time. And now I've had a real chance to parse through. Right. We, we've passed the buck from football. Cocky Sean's out. So now you're cocky about this team. Sean is giddy about the Yankees. Wow. Sean thinks championship. Really? So on February 14th, they're going to go all the way with it? Sean thinks two parades in this town. Yeah, Jimmy's, Jimmy's new in town, too. By the so way, you think the reason, because at the top of the show you said the Rangers are the next team to win a cup. You're thinking it's a double title, but because yeah. the Rangers would do it earlier because of the season, it's, it's that's the only reason. Yeah, if you told me all that counts in this town is baseball and football, my answer would have been the Yankees. I actually think the tide's about to turn here in this town. All right. Here's five o'clock. Cinco de Fivo with Evan and Tiki on the fan. Dare I say the Jets may even be in the mix next year. Cinco de Fivo is nuts. Cinco de Fivo is brought to you by Helix Wireless, connecting everything everywhere. And by Wendy's. Try the new pretzel baconator today. Uh, as you may or may not have heard, if you're getting in the car Friday, a very special day here. It is A-Rod Day. We will finally have A-Rod's number 13 retired. So it got me thinking in this town, who are our best number 13s ever. Ah. Here we go. Here we go! Number five. Mark Jackson. Now, people my age group, loogie of that, we do view him as a pacer. However, a little older than us, he is the greatest number 13 to ever play for the New York Knicks. Interesting. I haven't gone through every 13 in Nick or Ned history, but what are the options? Not a lot of names you'd recognize. Okay, okay. Good. There you go. Believe me, I went over this because I was waiting for the calls and passed me after. Here we go. <laughs> Number four. He's prepared. Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. Well, that's low on the top five. It is. Well, you'll see why. And by the way, as the years pass, I think we will view his tenure with the Giants way more positive than when his immediacy left. I think most people do. Right, because if you were an Odell fan, you loved him even yeah. when he left. And we do pin a lot of what happened wrong on Dave Gettleman. Yes. Shouldn't have traded him. This, yes. that, and the other. How he treated, didn't right. pay him. He was outside the top ten, so his fifth year option wasn't that high. So he was really underpaid for what he was getting. I get it. And by the way, Odell has also showed a lot of maturity. The fact that he has had this relationship with Kim Kardashian under wraps to the point Kim was calling him Fred. Mm. Story for another day. <laughs> yes. I give Odell credit. Number three. You guys are so overrating Odell Beckham Jr., but whatever. Yeah, by the way, if he was a Jet, you'd have one of your kids named Odell and the other named Beckham. But here's so, the difference. Please. You're right, but here's why you're wrong. I'll save it for after your sync because right. you're just so, guys are wrong about it. And by the way, you stepped on me at the wrong time for you, bucko. What? Number three, Edgardo Alfonso. He should be higher. <laughs> Piazza takes the shine away of him an all-timer. How about this? He's in many ways the Mets version of Bernie Williams. 
Well, I like that. Fonzie was a great, great Met many years ago. I was hurt when the Mets let him go in free agency. He's one of those many guys who didn't get to finish their career at the Mets, but there's a caveat here. They made the right decision because, unfortunately, Edgardo had a back issue, yeah. and he was never the same in San Francisco. Ended up bouncing around the league, so they made the right decision, but I love Fonzie, and you're dead right about this, too. It seemed like Piazza, not on purpose, but would always steal the shine of Fonzie. Yep. Fonzie would get the big hit, and then Piazza would do something bigger. Perfect example is the 10-run inning against the Braves. Everybody remembers that great comeback. Piazza's home run, him pumping his fist and all that. Fonzie's the one who tied the game previously. (laughs) He got the biggest hit of the game. All Piazza did was put the icing on it. I love Mike, but Fonzie was clutch. I mean, number three should be number one. Oh, you'll see one. Number two. Don Maynard. There you go. It's retired, right? so you should put it up. There. That's reti- the only one of those that's retired and probably, oh, no, not, well, maybe not. Hall of Famer. Yes. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Number. Super Bowl champ. Nobody else number. is retired yet. I can't pretend I saw him play, but Beningo would beat me with some kind of cane in here <laughs> if I didn't put Don well, Maynard. Well, it's just showing respect to history. Of Don course. Maynard is a Hall of Famer. He has his number retired. Of course, he should be up there. He should and, be number one. And the Jets, by the way. Not everything is negative around the Jets. I, I thought Fonz was number one. I changed my mind. I forgot for a second. <laughs> okay. Don Maynard, one. Edgardo Alfonso, two. And an undebatable number one. Number one. It's Alex Rodriguez. When you close your eyes and you picture the number 13 A-Rod. in this town. It's A-Rod. A-Rod. Much like Don Maynard, A-Rod. a champion. Uh, unfortunately, unlike Don Maynard, should be a Hall of Famer, hopefully mm. there one day. And it's just, frankly, it's undebatable. Jim Leeritz, Billy Wagner? No. I didn't even put Alexei Lafreniere on here. Oh, stop yeah. it. He's, uh, he's still playing. Good for you. <laughs> good for you. And that's Cinco de Five today and every day at 5 o'clock. What I'll say about Odell is that you're right. Sean made a, a dig at me by saying, hey, if he was a Jet, you'd name your kids after right. or something crazy Because he like would have been the best player that you'd seen in a long time. But the, Yeah, exactly, because we suck because we're the Jets. Mm. You're the New York Giants. When he was drafted, it was only three years after you won a Super Bowl. Like, you're the Giants. You have but, Tiki okay, Barber. But, but you have else, championships. Who else was number 13? This is, a, this is on the number 13. That's not even my point. My point is the guy had three good years here. He was here for five minutes, and all it was was controversy, and they didn't win anything. No, that's not true. There's a lot of production. No, I, I say made, three good years. And I they made that. the playoffs and in the midst happened? of the drought. And what happened? Uh, yeah, he dropped What's all that the playoffs known for, by the way? The boat trip. And what happened? What was the boat trip? Just so people who he don't know. He and Victor Cruz took Giants players like Roger Lewis on a boat. And then what? Sterling and then what happened in the game? Did they have Shepard, a drop early? Sterling Shepard. They lost. He had multiple drops. He ran on the field like Lawrence Taylor. I'm not telling you Odell Beckham overrated, Jr. Overrated, dude. I mean, I'm not saying he's horrible either, Tiki. I'm no. saying he's overrated. Okay, you still like to... see Odell jerseys at okay, Giants so who, Stadium. Who's a better 13 then? I'd say Billy Wagner contributed to more winning. Oh, your sister's no, no. ass. You can't have two Mets on here. Are you kidding me? No, you know what? I take that back. Jim Lawrence. I mean, Jim Lawrence. Guy had one of the biggest home runs in Yankee oh, look, history. I'll hear what the Jim hell Lawrence. is Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. one here? Why, because he made a couple of fancy catches no, that we play just, here on this radio he station? He's just iconic. Yeah. He shouldn't be iconic. But he was. Why he not? was. Because he was a giant for basically three and a half years of production. That's why. And it was during a time in giant history where no one's going to talk poetically about it. He didn't win anything. And more importantly... He passed the torch. He got us Dexter Lawrence, another giant. <laughs> You're looking at it that way. That's a positive. Anyhow, thank you. Cinco de yeah. Favo every Scratch day, five ass. o'clock right now. No, I'm scratching it. I mean, I just. Uh, You're right about Kardashian. Who knew they were together? I didn't. That's a real I couple like, right I feel now. like he, he just had a baby, right? Like. 
two years ago? Right. I, yeah, I think when the Rams were in the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly, when he won a Super Bowl. So I just figured he was settled down. No. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's dating Kim Kardashian. Kardashian. I'm like, Odell is dating Kim Kardashian? <laughs> I have to tell you, when I hear Kim Kardashian is dating somebody, it just doesn't move the needle anymore. Because it's like no. she's been with everybody. Yeah, Reggie you know Bush. I mean? Yeah. It's not that. You know what it would be exciting? Chris, I think who was it? Chris Humphreys. Humphreys. Yeah, I think it'd be exciting if it was a baseball player because it'd just be so out of out of the box. Like if all of a sudden she was dating Ronald no, Acuna no. Jr., she, she, I'd say okay, if, we got something going uh, on here. Well, no. Ronald, Ronald's different, but I'm trying to think of a base. Like most baseball players are, they're settled down, right? Well, not all of them. Not all. Not the young kids. Plenty of saying, single guys. I just feel like a lot of them are just calm. Like they're settled. They're not. Trying to be everywhere. Well, you got to find the younger baseball player that Kim's kind of like. All right, I'm gonna go with that 22 year old, so yeah, like Corbin that, Carroll or but something. But how would like they have? How would they have any time to do anything? That's exactly it. And by the way, Kim doesn't allow any of her boyfriends to leave that area where they are in yeah. Calabasas. So you got to play for the Dodgers at a minimum, and she ain't going to 162 baseball. Games. And, and you 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 got to be on the shows. You gotta, you gotta, exactly it. You got to be part of the the media circus that is their show. So you're saying there's no baseball player that's high profile enough for Kim no, Kardashian? No, not, not that they're not high profile <laughs> enough. They don't. They don't have the time. What do you mean they don't have the time? They play 162 games. It's a long off season. No, dude, it ain't as long. And, are you, and really, they're a lot to handle, man. They're a lot to handle. You got to constantly be them, be in present. You just don't have the time every night in baseball. So season. it's the baseball schedule that's causing yes. uh, Corbin Cowell from hooking up with yes. Kim. What about maybe, a starting maybe, pitcher? Maybe have a couple of months in the offseason. Well, that doesn't fit because you still have to travel. You're not playing. No, you every don't. Day. You don't have to be there nah, if you're not pitching. That's not. You're not Roger Clemens. He's the only guy that's ever done that. No, well, that wouldn't work either. So I guess if, it, if you're saying the schedule, the starting pitcher wouldn't change that. Yeah. That's not how it works. I, I just, just, I just don't travel. think the baseball player doesn't have that same, like, swag. See, that's what see, that's what you were leaving out. Yeah. It is about swag. Yeah. Well, I, it I, definitely I, is. I think Ronald Acuna Jr. has enough swag. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. So he might be the one. I think Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners has how enough swag. How about Jazz Chisholm? But yes, but, but the, all, all those guys. But then it comes down to time. Like, are you going to be able to give all of that time to her? Because she's going to want it. Mm. And I think the answer would be no. All right. Football is easy. You got you got a six-month offseason. Well, she's also dated basketball players, too. Got, That's a long season as well. And yeah, you got, basketball you, players do what they want. You guys are burying the part of this. As much as you need to be a part of it, the fact that they held a relationship and she just kept referring to her boyfriend as Fred is growth Why by Odell. Why did she call him Fred? What was the thing about that? Because I think the idea was, we don't need this to be some kind We just love each other forever. It's none of everybody's business who we're dating. Mm. So she kept it under wraps. And typical Odell wasn't an attention pig for once and going, I'm dating Kim Kardashian. So they right. both showed great maturity by doing yes, that? Yes! I'm all in on these people. Why did she come up with the name Fred. What am I missing? <laughs> I don't know. Why I don't Fred? know. Fred. It's, it's, it's just, the farthest thing from Odell that uh, yeah. you could possibly think of. That was the reason? I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. Growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, I'm reading now, according to the Kansas City Police Department, 10 to 15 people were injured. It's making me sick how this number keeps going up. Yeah, I, I it just, always does. I just listened to the, the mayor and chief of police press conference. They are saying the number of injured could go up. They are still getting numbers of people walking into hospitals injured. Oh, got that's it. true. Yeah, I mean, so I that know. was part of it. How do you get that number? Because think about it. You've got a million people, and I'm not even joking when I say this because this is true, and this is certainly a part of it. You hear gunshots, you start running. Yeah. You start running, you fall. Right. Like, you trip. Like, there may be injuries from this that have nothing to do with being shot. Mm-hmm. It may have to do with falling on your face because I'll tell you right now, I think any of us as human beings, yeah. especially if our kids are with us and we're out there protecting them, and we hear gunshots go off, and your reaction is to grab them and run. There's a damn good chance you're falling down to the ground. So hopefully, by the way, 
those injuries you look at, not to minimize that and say, I hope those are the injuries. Because right, are... there's a damn good chance you'll be okay. Yeah, those are superficial. Those aren't those aren't bullet wounds. Right. You get shot, obviously right. things are much more serious. Now, here's what we know coming out of Kansas City if you're just tuning in. First of all, the Chiefs had this Super Bowl parade. They do basically the entire parade. At the end of it, gunshots are heard, in which the police department's telling everybody, okay, get out, obviously. A guy tackles these two people with the guns. We see it on video now. Tackles these guys or gals. I assume they're guys. Which stops them from causing any more damage than mm-hmm. they already did. So gunshots go off. We hear initially a few people got shot. We don't know how serious it is. It's now been a couple of hours. And as Sean just said, that was according to the Kansas City Police Department. And, and the mayor's office. And the mayor's office. That 10 to 15 people are injured. Yes. Some of them in the hospital. Some of them kids, which is just... Yeah. yeah. Some are still walking in the hospitals, and unfortunately, one fatality. And, and to show you the timing of all of this, Chiefs players were still around. They have since left with buses. This is according to Albert Breer. Chiefs left the parade in buses and in shock. I'm told players were unbelievable in calming panicked kids down, including Trey Smith, who went up to one upset kid, gave him the WWE title belt, sat with him until he calmed down. Mm. And there's another person who apparently Andy Reid came over and hugged and calmed them I down. I saw that one, yeah. yeah so yeah. apparently a lot of the players and coaches were very in the midst of all of this, which is even scarier. Yeah. Well, the two people that had these guns and fired them have been apprehended. So luckily, they were able to stop them. And like I mentioned, somebody was a hero. Somebody went out and tackled them. Mm-hmm. The bravery of that person for your instant reaction to be. Because here's the thing about something like this. Yeah. I think my instant reaction is to protect my kids if they're with me. I think that's most of us. It's the fight or flight thing. Right. Most people will flight. Well, but some people will fight. Yeah. No, and I I can't lie and tell you I'd fight. I'd be more like I got to protect who's with me. That'd be my first reaction. And whoever that person was, first reaction was I'm not running away. I'm going to tackle this person. Right. And that person saved lives. Right, because he not only tackled them, he kept them from keeping shooting. It's one thing right. to tackle somebody. It's another to get the gun away from them so they can't shoot. Got the gun away from them, got them to stop shooting, and then eventually the police are able to come over and arrest them. Right. And stop this thing from becoming, it's already horrible, it's already bad, it's already tragic. We already lost a human life, but without that hero, it could have been worse. We could have been talking about hundreds of people. Yeah, could have been a massacre. It could have been. So very, very scary in Kansas City. We'll try to keep you posted as the show rolls on. Is this real, Tiki Barber? Tell me if this is real. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not showing you a picture of her and asking if that's real. I'm talking about <laughs> something else. Um, a giant fan, and this is from Big Blue Interactive, which is what? Is that, is that a website where giant fans talk to each other about how much they hate the team? Yeah, it's basically a gigantic lack of a better term, giant message board where they post everybody's, you know, the New York Post, all that stuff, clippings, and everybody argues. So a guy claims he wrote a letter to John Mara and got a letter back from John Mara. Hmm. And I will read you the letter from supposed John Mara, and you tell if it's real or not. And by the way, I'll tell you why I already lean towards it being real. My dad, who is now, how old is my dad now? Why would I even say his age? It doesn't matter. (laughs) But when my dad was younger... He also sent angry letters to ownerships and general managers. And twice he got responses. Really? Once he wrote an angry letter to the general manager of the New York Mets, Frank Cashin, saying that he was very upset that they let Tom Seaver go. And that was the second time, not the trade to the Reds. It was when they let him go in what used to be a free agency draft. Mm -hmm. When you would sign a free agent, another team would be able to pick a player from this pool of players that you don't protect. Whatever. Got it. Point is, Frank Cashin screwed up. 
And Frank Cashin wrote my dad back, admitting he screwed up and apologizing. <laughs> the other letter he got back was he sent a letter to the owner of the then New York Nets, Ray Bow, expressing his disgust with selling Julius Irvin. Disgust. Disgust. I mean, that's a that's a that's a strong word. Disgust. And, and he was angry. And, and it's probably the correct one. Of course it was. For selling Dr. J. <laughs> right. I mean, what the hell are you thinking? I <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. Even if he's done, yeah. you, got the, you got the draw. And he was great. He wasn't done, that's for damn sure. Uh, and he wrote a letter back. So it isn't crazy that an owner or GM, now granted this is many years ago, both examples, right. before my time, would actually respond to you. So this is on New York Giants letterhead, which looks very much legitimate. Mm-hmm. And the response, now we don't know what this gentleman wrote to John Mara other than saying he was very displeased with the organization, with the power structure, and that he was begging them to select a quarterback in the draft. Is that what you took out of it? Basically, yeah. I, I, and he also worded it in the comments to the effect of, I've never seen a quarterback at this long a leash in my giant fandom. So mm-hmm. here is the supposed letter that John Mara wrote mm-hmm. back a few weeks ago, January 25th, 2024, to this unnamed person. Is he right about that? Is who right about that? A quarterback hasn't gotten this type of leash. Some would argue Phil Simms. Different era, I wouldn't yeah. count it. I'm talking I, about this era. I'd have to only compare an yeah, era to era. Phil Simms' era was, we draft you, we have you until we don't want you anymore. Yeah. Right. Different world. Now you have to make decisions after four years. So, yeah, it is a di- completely different world. So you're probably right, especially given the era. So here's the response to angry Giant fan. So, A, is it real? And then, B, what do you take out of it? Number yeah. one, dear Mr. Blank. I have your letter, and I understand your concerns about the direction of the team. We will certainly be studying the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft, although I do not believe we are ready to give up on Daniel Jones. Joe Shane and Brian Dabo will make the final call on whatever we draft, on whether we draft a quarterback. We appreciate very much your many years of loyal support. Mm-hmm. Best wishes to you and your family. Sincerely, John Mara. Yes. Number one, did John Mara write this letter? I think he probably did. I think so too. Yeah, it just—it's classy. It's—it's it's direct. It's not beating around the bush. Not making excuses. He's just saying what he what he thinks. And I know this is fact. They're not done with Daniel Jones. I've only said it. Right? They're not ready to just say <laughs> we're we're quitting on him. I, no, but he's told me that. Right. So I, so I know that it's not. It sounds in line with what I know to be true. Well, the other thing is, and, and this is more just the, the way a human brain works, if you're going to make a fake letter and post it to Big Blue Interactive yeah. with the giant letterhead, right. you're not putting that. Because no. you're right. It was a very classy letter. He, I think, said something concerning the Daniel Jones stuff, but it isn't anything crazy. Like, it's just a very kind of basic response. Right. So why would you make that up? But I think this basic response tells us something very, very important. Well, it tells us what we already know. No. And that, that Joe Shane's going to find a quarterback. No, I, don't, I just, here's the problem. He's not drafting one. Here's the problem. The problem is, I understand what John Maurer wrote, and he is classy, and I respect that he wrote a fan back. I, that means a lot to me. As someone who is a diehard fan yeah. who would write an angry letter, I don't think Joe Sy would ever respond to me. Mm. I really don't. I don't think Woody Johnson would ever respond to me. Steve Cohen may, by the way. So I'm going to leave him out. But those two guys would never respond to me. So I just want to say on a personal level yeah. to John Mara, I think it's awesome that you responded. But here's the problem, Mr. Mara. I can read through your words. <laughs> no, I can. I am I can read through your words. Those words tell me we love Daniel Jones. 
Brian Table and Joe Shane to not make the final decision. I'm going to tell them what I think, and what I think is we are not ready to give up on Daniel Jones. I do not believe we're ready to give up on Daniel Jones. You're the owner of the team. Okay, so but why you is, can give a message without giving a message? But so why is that a bad thing? I didn't say it's a bad thing. I'm I'm telling you how I take I, I, this. No, I think I I think this fan, whoever yeah. it was, Mister Blank, basically was saying Daniel Jones has got to go. Yes. I'm sick of him. Uh, he's always hurt. I don't want him here anymore. It's time to move on. You don't give players this much lease ever, especially the quarterback position. Yes. That's what he said. I agree. And so John is trying to disarm him by saying whatever he said, and then you're not ready to give up on Daniel Jones yet. So just basically shutting him down. No. He's shutting him down and, and saying he yeah. trusts Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Tiki. To go make the right quarterback decision. See, all if he left that sentence out, although I do not believe we're ready to give up on Daniel Jones, I tell you right now, you know what? Can't read much out of this. He's going to let his guys decide. No. He's not letting his guys decide. He already basically told you, he's just I defending- do not believe we're ready to give up on Daniel Jones. Just this means defend- we're not ready to give up on Daniel Hold Jones. On. He's defending a guy who he just who he okayed giving $160 million. Right, whatever. Eighty of it, really. Eighty is what we got to talk about because eighty is what John had to put into escrow. Mm-hmm. Right. So he, at the very least, you know, he's not going anywhere next year because that's real money that's sitting aside waiting for Daniel Jones. But having him on the team and giving up on him can be two things that no. could oh, but no. you, you can't. If he's on the team, you're not giving up on him. And you also can't undercut the GM ahead of the draft, yes. ahead of free agency, and let the world know when this letter leaks. That he publicly is desperate for a quarterback. No, what no, the, no, no, no. Hold yeah. on a second. If you, t- if you take this letter and all you do is take out, although I do not believe we're ready to give up on Daniel Jones, you haven't told the world anything. You told the world something by putting that sentence Evan, in. this is still a player on the team that they paid a lot of money to. He he has to include that in the letter <laughs> if the letter leaks. No, he doesn't. Because otherwise the letter reads, it's on them to draft the quarterback. Right. No, and no, no, man, and, no. And then the controversy becomes, oh, John Mara has no faith in Daniel Jones. That is right? not true. Brian, Brian Dable and, and Joe Shane are going to draft his replacement, Tiki. or they're going to find his replacement Guys, in free agency. If the, he had to put that in there. If the letter pre- is simply, dear Mr. Blank, I have your letter. I understand your concerns about the direction of the team. We will certainly be studying the quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. Joe Shane and Brian Dable will make the final call on whether we draft a quarterback. You haven't said you you think that causes hysteria? Yeah, no, yeah. I think I think it says flat out, wow, no mention of defending Daniel Jones. He's totally out on him, which he can't do right now. And by the way, if you read that letter further and really study it, I think two things come out of this that are blatantly obvious. Number one, John Mara is telling us, I hope, and without telling us, that Joe Shane and Brian Dable are safe after next year. Because if he's telling you the team still believes in Daniel Jones, it's really on them to draft the quarterback. He's telling you, you know, they can't force a quarterback here, so no matter what happens, I can't fire them after the year. And also what it tells me, number two, is all of these fans, and I'm talking to you Giants fans that are writing these letters to John Mara, clamoring for them to dump Daniel Jones. You better also not have been the same fans poo-pooing the idea of fans rooting for a tank. Yes, calm down. you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know the reason the Giants can't commit to getting rid of Daniel Jones? Because they're now picking sixth. And while everybody hooted and hollered and rooted for all those Tommy DeVito wins, and I'm guilty of that too, (laughs) guess what? It was easy to see the forest through the trees. Now you're sitting here in mid-February going, oh, wow, now we're picking six, so we're stuck in no man's land on a quarterback. So don't be the fan that gets disappointed with Daniel Jones' start next year and also the fan that didn't want them to tank. Always goes mm-hmm. back to his defense of the tank, right. doesn't it? Because it does, because now you realize, <laughs> wow, if we had not those games. the tank. Yeah, well, he looks your, like one, so why your, not? It's going to be your new nickname. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you lost one game. You tank.
By the way, I apologize. I shouldn't have said you look like a Your tank. quarterback Thanks is hurt. Right. Tank. There's only one tank in this town. That's <laughs> right. Frank the tank. Let's go to Corey and Rutherford. What's up, Corey? Yeah, guys, I agree, Tiki. I mean, they're not getting rid of they're not getting rid of Daniel Jones, and they shouldn't get rid of Daniel Jones. Yeah, I, I I've watched this time and time again with the Giants, and and the reality is the offensive line has not done well. Yeah. and at the end of the day, you're not if you draft. I don't care who you have in the back of that giant offensive line. They're not going to produce. Right. That's the end of the day. That's right. And, and by the way, Corey, it's the same thing with the Jets. <laughs> same thing with the Jets. No, I got you. I got you. You got to have someone up front to protect you. We all understand that. Do you think every owner would write back to a mean letter? Um, like, I got to give John Merrick credit I, right I, now. I, I think I he's honest, one of the few. I honestly don't think that was a mean letter. No, I, no. I, you I think, think the letter that was sent to him was probably mean about the team and the direction of the I team. Not necessarily mean to John personally, but I think it was mean about the direction of the team. So when I say mean, if I wrote a letter to Woody Johnson, that wasn't mean to him, yeah. but complained about the direction of the franchise, do you think Woody Johnson responds? I think the answer is no. No, probably not. But I think the Giants are unique in that they've had some season ticket holders for, I mean, decades. And this might have been one. Right? Let's say he's a 70-year-old season ticket holder who's had it through for his parents or whatever, passed it down, and the Giants are acutely aware of those longtime fans. And so I believe that's why he writes. He doesn't write back everybody because he probably gets some vulgar nonsense. Well, no, no. I don't think he would write back to that. I think anyone who shows passion about the team right. in a respectful way, because I'm sure the letter was respectful, I just don't know how many owners in this town would even respond to that. I don't think James Dolan's responding to it. I don't think. Though, you know what? Let me. I, I have to stop myself. I want to be fair. Dolan I think did. James Dolan's responded to emails before. Mm. And sometimes he's come back at them. I think yeah. I remember that. Well, emails are, emails are dangerous to respond to because it can be so easily manipulated. What do you mean? Like, if you send somebody on paper right. a, a letter that you've either typed out or printed... It's hard to manipulate it. Like, you can go doctor it, but the the digital, like, I don't know, the digital fixing, mm-hmm. you, can, you can notice. You can yeah, see. Yeah, but you can do that with anything these days. Yeah, but with an email, you can just, I mean, if you sent me an email right. and I just replied to it, I could easily just scroll down to your message and change it and make my reply with your now screwed up message be the be the record. <laughs> so you're you know saying I mean? don't respond to emails. Don't respond to emails. Man. Yeah, I, I just to be fair, I think that I remember in the past Dolan's responded to emails mm-hmm. in like a nasty way to people where he's give it to, where he gives it back. To Was them. it actually him though? That, I think so. Wow. Yeah. Look, Google that why one, Sean. I'm telling that? you. Because why was, would you do that? It, it, it probably, makes no sense. Because sometimes you get what's the word where you get uh, like ticked off by something. You get triggered. You get triggered. That's the word. Right. Sometimes you get triggered. <laughs> the weirdest thing's going to trigger you. Like, think about it. A professional wrestler named Goldust decided about 13 years ago to search his name on social media and well, see about a it. young 13... radio host okay, named Evan on. Roberts Evan. criticizing a match on Ronnie Thir- blocked me. 13 years ago, yeah. social media, we were still figuring it out. And so the last thing you want is for someone who has influence, like you, on a powerful radio station being mean to you that everybody who follows you can now see. But think about how triggered you have to be. Someone's criticizing a wrestling match from a Monday Night Raw in 2010. Mm. You search their name out, and you block them, which is what Goldust did to me 13 years ago. 
because I triggered him by saying his match with Sheamus was so boring, I'd rather watch a crappy Mets-Braves game. Did you find the Dolan story? I have the email that Dolan wrote Oh wow! to the fan. And, and it's confirmed that it was real? Yeah, Mark Berman had it. It was printed everywhere. And, in fact, it was so real that the NBA had to comment on it. <laughs> And they would not, and they would not punish James Dolan for because he said he's just acting like a New Yorker. Okay, go ahead, tell us what he said. All right, so he received an email of a bitter Nick fan. This is 2015. The response: You are a sad person. Mm. Why would anybody write such a hateful letter? I am, I am. Period. Just guessing, but I'll bet your life is a mess, and you are a hateful mess. What? What have you done that anyone would consider positive or nice? I am betting nothing. In fact, I'll bet you are a negative force in everyone who comes in contact with you. What the hell? You most likely have made your family miserable. Alcoholic, maybe. I just celebrated my 21-year anniversary of sobriety. You should try it. Maybe it will help you become a person that folks would like to have around. In the mean, while start rooting for the Nets. (laughs) Because the Knicks don't want you. Oh, my God. Respectfully, James Dolan. Now... Can I defend wow. James Dolan real quick on this? Yeah. The, there's a shot that the email that was sent to him was very, very nasty. Right. Like, I, the letter that was sent to John Mara was a respectful football letter. Yeah. A, hey, I disagree with this. I disagree with that. I'm concerned about this. I'm going to give Dolan the benefit of the doubt that to respond as unhinged as he did, it was probably not the team's no. not good and I'm concerned. There was probably an explicative every f- yeah. fifth word. And the gist of the anger, according to Howard Beck at the time, was that the the fan who claimed he was a fan in excess of 60 years was upset that Steve Kerr was not the coach and they settled in on Derek Fisher. excess of 60 years? Yeah, older Nick fan. So, so, so that, that was a 75-year-old man. 65 to 75-year-old man wrote an email. Apparently, he was called a hateful person. <laughs> wow. He was accused of being an alcohol. Dude. And he told him to go root for the Nets. He said, go root for the Nets. By the way, we'll take you. Or we could use you. So I do want to say, when I say that most owners would not respond to a letter, I want to be corrected that James Dolan has proven he will but respond. That was not a letter. That was an email. <laughs> and emails are dangerous. It was so people. You know why? Because emails are easy. Yeah, you just see it, and you're like, all right, it's, it's true. Just like Twitter. It's just really easy to just... That's just, that's just... It's too easy. But if you sit down and you have to, like, type or write... I agree with you. I think that's a great point. it out and yep. fold it, you think about it, and by as you're folding it, you're like, you know what? This is a dumbass idea. I completely agree. And you throw it away. I think that is the best advice <laughs> one could give. Right. I give this advice to my wife all the time, too. I give it to myself. Like, if I get really, really angry at anybody, maybe it's you. Maybe it's uh, Lugie. I give myself like six hours. Mm. I think about it. You get really angry at people? No, I'm using you guys as examples. Oh, I've okay. never been angry at right. either of you guys. I very rarely get that. Actually, you know what? I was angry the other day at the Nets. Uh, yeah. Very, very uh, true story. That's right. You told me this. Um, Mercy said either. You guys? No, 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 no. This is, this, was a, this is about his tickets. I was very <laughs> upset with the Nets. The Nets still in the league. Yesterday, I got a bill for my season tickets, and they were raised by a great amount. Like the Nets, who suck, who, who never win. And I was like, what the hell is going on? I was so pissed off. <laughs> I was so, I was going to come on the radio and nuclear bomb everything. I was like, like you was... guys left. This is yesterday. You guys left the office. Yep. And I'm still sitting in there hanging with Evan. And then the phone rings and I hear him getting, like, all right. So my season ticket, I was like, all right, I'm out. So, <laughs> but here's what I did. It's funny you heard that. So I was pissed off and I said, you know what? Before you do anything, before you go on the radio and use your bully pulpit, call them. Mm. Like, call the Nets and say, what's going on? And I gave myself a pep talk. You have to be calm. 
Anger isn't going to do anything. Right. So I called my rep, who I know has nothing to do with this. It's just someone who works for the team. And I said, hey, and I tried to be so calm. I was like, <laughs> just got the bill for next year. <laughs> it was like a really, really big increase. What's up with that? Gave a little, what's up with that? Right. And her response is what calmed me. She said, Evan, we didn't raise ticket prices. Mm. And as soon as she said that, I said, okay, okay good. let's figure this I'm out. I'm glad I didn't come firing Brimstone at <laughs> Exactly. <you. laughs> and by the way, everything's figured out. It was a mistake. But the lesson, and you're basically giving the same lesson, is as angry as you are about anything, and this doesn't even have to do with sports or anything like that, you got to take a deep breath. Right. Give yourself a few hours. The next time you are so pissed off at your wife or husband, don't just go after them. Take a big, deep breath. Sean should learn from this. Can mm-hmm. I reveal the personal story, Sean? Sure. I'm going to anyway. All right. A couple of months ago, mm-hmm. his wife said something to him. And instead of, like, and holding it, and back. It, and it triggered him? He got triggered and called her lazy. Ooh. Oh, and he knew. By the way, soon as some yeah. timing you're like, to bring this up on so Valentine's Day. Lazy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he calls her lazy. And I think, from my understanding, you can correct me on this, Sean. She was done with him for a week. Wow. Yeah. And by the way, the exact quote, and she didn't hear it either, was, sometimes you could be real lazy. Oh, that, that doesn't yeah. matter. She went on strike. I didn't get dinner for a week. <laughs> uh, I was, you know, I think my kids were stranded for a week. I had to pick them up late and all that. And here's the truth. If you would have done the advice that Tiki just gave about a letter right. and the advice I gave, and mm-hmm. you just took a deep breath, and whatever caused that response, you're like, this is totally not worth it. You wouldn't have had her on strike for a week. Right. Absolutely right. right. You wouldn't have had that issue. You'd be watching True True Detective. You're damn yeah. right. Yeah. This is so detective. the mistake yeah. that Dolan made, not that he gives a rat's ass, is when he gets an angry letter, instead of, and you did a great imitation, <laughs> take a deep breath and walk away. This is like the best world advice you could give. Because all it's going to do is lead to trouble. I came so close to just blitzkrieging the Brooklyn Nets for something they didn't even do. I I could have called her and cursed her out too, the Nets, and said, you bleepity bleep 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 bleep, and then ripped the team and got nuts to only hear, uh, yeah, we didn't <laughs> raise ticket prices. Oh, okay, good. By the way. What's this deal you have for me? Yeah, no, <laughs> not a bad deal. And then she offered me another deal. She told me, and I think every team should take this advice. She tells me, hey, listen, we got something new for next season. So what do you got? A good team? No, mm. <laughs> oh, stop. What, what do you got? Good roster? She says, no. Nah, we're going to offer this thing potentially for a loaded ticket. You spend a little bit more money on your season oh, ticket. Oh, strippers in the 40-40 club. <laughs> <laughs> oh. A little bit more money for your ticket, and your ticket will become loaded, which means whenever you show a, um, a convenience store. Mm. Oh, my God. Um, a vendor. A vendor. Or really any place you buy food. What's right. that called again? A kiosk? Concession stand? Concession Thank stand? you. Yeah. Nobody can think of it except for Lugie. Because you buy... Because I'm the only yeah. normal human here. Yeah, well, no one else is. You go to the concession stand and everything is free. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... Unlimited. 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 And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> this is the future of sports. Like, yeah. that's what teams should offer. Like, the Mets. They may have a bad year this year. They should offer loaded tickets. Imagine going to the game and having unlimited food. Not not Alcohol, beer. Alcohol is not a Nah, thing. you can't do that. Nah. That's irresponsible. Yeah, I'll be the right. first to say you can't do that. No. But for and that's all, where the biggest margins are. So 100%. You start offering loaded tickets, and I'm talking Nets, Islanders, Mets, 
jump football maybe not as important, but still. Yeah, because you don't really eat a ton. Right. You get you go get a burger or hot dog or whatever it is, and you and a drink. It's also different because like if you're a season ticket holder for a baseball team, you may go to thirty games. It's yeah. possible. Yeah. That adds up. That loaded ticket becomes worth it. There's so few football games, it's probably not right. worth it. Yeah, there's eight, and maybe you go to four. So I give the Nets credit. I think that's a great idea, and I think every team in this town should do it. The mm-hmm. loaded ticket. I'd put so much weight on. And by the way, I would never do the tuna fish before uh, a basketball game ever again. <laughs> Which I would did, eliminate that. We, we did not notice. You were good. You had Listerine sticks. That's right. You're good. You didn't notice my tuna breath. <laughs> Breaking uh, news. Nick News. If you were jazzed up mm. for a win over the Magic tonight, I'd pump the brakes. The Knicks will be without iHeart, Dante DiVincenzo, and Bojan Bogdanovich. What's wrong with Bo? What's wrong with uh, Bo? He now has a calf injury. Ugh. Going to blame Thibodeau for that one, too? Mm. Bogey's been here for 10 minutes. No, but you got to keep something in mind when we talk about injuries. And I think we live in a society now where it's all or nothing. All or nothing society. That response you just had at me was an all or nothing thing. I have not blamed Tom Thibodeau for every injury. Mm -hmm. I haven't. In fact, Tiki and I argued about that a few weeks ago. I did not blame him for Jalen's injury. I didn't blame him for OG's injury. I blamed him specifically for one night because of how Dante DiVincenzo's been used over the last 15 days. And then specifically the injury he had, which was a hamstring injury. So this has now been taken as Evan says Thibodeau gets all Nick players hurt. You just did the same thing. No, No, I'm talking about one individual incident and player. And incidences, because I think Dante's been played a lot recently, so it's not one game. And iHeart, too, but that's different. But but, but, but that could be you. I haven't said that about iHeart. To me, it was the DiVincenzo thing. Do you feel that way about iHeart, that Thib's got him hurt? Only because he had a pre-existing calf-slash-Achilles injury. And And again, he didn't have a choice. There's no other bigs. Right. Right? I mean, I guess Sims could go play a little bit. You do have a choice. You just play shorthanded. Yeah, but you You always have a choice. You don't put yourself in a position to win. Yeah, but you don't want to put yourself in a position to get guys hurt either. That's and that's that's the balance. That's that's what he's not weighing properly. Well, I'll give you this. Or not properly. Let's say call it effectively, because guys are getting hurt. Here's the other balance you have to have. So I'm gonna get you into the weeds a little bit, but trust me, I think you'll appreciate this if you're a Nick fan, because you'll understand the context. Context wise, tonight's a big game. That's a really, really big game. Right. It's a big game not because it's the all-star break and you don't want to go in on a four-game losing streak. That's not why it's a big game. Though you could say it is for that Mm -hmm. reason. It's a big game because right now, if you look at the NBA standings, if you kind of analyze And I'm looking at them. You look at the standings. How many games ahead of the Orlando Magic are the New York Knicks right now? Three or four. Four games ahead. The Knicks have lost to the Magic twice this season, mm-hmm. which means if the Knicks lose to the Magic tonight or in their fourth meeting, the Magic would win the tiebreaker. And while you could certainly be confident and say it doesn't matter, we'll finish ahead of the Magic, don't worry, you may be right, that matters, especially if you're trying to avoid the playing game. Yeah. So this is the balance that you have to have if you're the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau. And I admit, it's not an easy balance sometimes. Yeah, The importance of this game tonight, and I just laid out to you from a – standings purpose why it's important from the fact that that's a huge swing in the standings. Like Right now, you're four games ahead of them in the loss column. It's it's huge because the Orlando Magic are only a half a game out of sixth. Exactly. They're half a game out of sixth, and if you lose this game, you lose the tiebreaker, and if you fall because of injury issues after the All-Star break, then you could get stuck in the seventh. You could get stuck in the seven, which is bad for two reasons. A, you got to be in the playing tournament, yes. and then B, if God forbid you lose that first playing tournament game, now you're playing for the eighth seed. Yeah. And you don't want to be in that matchup. So 
the balance you have to have is I want to keep my guys healthy. I don't want to be stupid. But I also have to understand, hey, this game tonight sort of matters a little bit more. Mm. Maybe more so than that Rocket game the other night because now you've got the implications of a team that you're battling in the Yeah, a peer tier, as Tiki would say. Yeah, 100%. No, it's also, they're, they're just Eastern Conference. The Rockets right. are they're West. And real quick for Louie, you know what you realize the Magic have a lot of this year? Dudes and dogs. Well, mm. no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> we're going really. to measure dudes they, and dogs? No, no, no. Their dudeness and dogness is under review. No, it's a big game Paolo Bancaro is a huge dog. Good dog. No idea. Right. Yeah, yeah, and a huge dude. But he's a Duke guy, so that's a massive yeah, knock against him. Guy. No, come on, T. Come on. You like Duke guys till they traded R.J. Barrett. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, um, it changed. So Alec Burks will play forty-five minutes tonight, and he'll be out of gas. But at least they have the All Star break. That's the huge thing here. They get a break. They can go to Aruba for a week and and just relax. God, and, they're, and they're young, man. They're so. Oh, young. the Magic. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're they also played last night. Yeah. They got beat by the Thunder on Shaq O'Neal retirement jersey night. But look, that's the problem the Knicks run into right now, where you got to balance keeping guys healthy. I mean, Jalen Brunson's been playing after this ankle injury. We don't even wince at it. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's fine. And by the way, he's taking a ton of physical contact. Right. And it's just whatever. So I think when you have this game tonight, you got to somehow manage trying to win the game with being smart. And it's not an easy balance. I admit that. My critique of Thibodeau was the fact that Dante DiVincenzo had basically never played a 40-minute game in his entire NBA career outside of one game that went double overtime years ago. And over the last two weeks, he's played five of them. Mm -hmm. And just naturally, especially you know this as a professional athlete, that could cause you to get hurt. Right. It's a wear issue. It's It's a fatigue, a muscle fatigue. And you make yourself more susceptible to injury. No doubt. I can't say that about Bogey. He just got here. I'm not blaming that on mm-hmm. Tom Thibodeau. But yes, the Dante DiVincenzo injury specifically, based on everything I laid out, the facts about the games that he's played minutes-wise, and how he's never done that, and how he's not used to that, like it's all right in front of your face. So one thing can be true. It doesn't mean Tom Thibodeau's got the entire Nick team hurt. No one's saying that. Well, I would say no one's saying that. And when I said you before, I meant more like you people, not yeah. you specifically. What do you mean by I mean, you people? Meaning you like, people, what does meaning that mean? I think that's the narrative of Tom Thibodeau. So I say you, I didn't say we, because I don't believe it. So I said you, not you, Evan Roberts, but you, the people out there in radio land. There are a lot of people that get on the coach because they're grinding the players. Well, in this specific case, he, I'm I mean, right. Look, the fact is he does grind his players. Yes, he does. He does, but I'm not does it sure. Always lead to injury? No, but right. sometimes, in the specific case that Evan was talking about yesterday, it does. Dante, that's all we're saying. Dante, I'm not going to argue with you because of the hamstring stuff, but I think the Julius injury was a dirty play by Jaime Hoskins. Number one, no, Bogey came with another injury. The OG, only, this only, is an old the, injury. The only one would be I, I, I heart. That'd be only one, only because he was hurt. He was out. Before. Yeah, he had missed like two or three games with the Achilles thing. I mean, it was an innocent little play, but again, maybe now, they rushed him back too quick. I don't know. Now, I want to get to this. But again, he wanted to be back. Of course, and they all do. But I like always. you said, you got to protect the players. You got to protect them. Now, let's get to this appeal. So the New York Knicks decided they want to appeal <laughs> the fact <laughs> that they got sort of hosed the other night right. with an atrocious call in the final few seconds. Right. I think Tom Thibodeau screwed up by using a challenge late in the first half, and then he would have had the challenge, but whatever. The Knicks, I, I, I don't know if this is badass or crybaby. I'm trying to figure this out. The badass aspect of it is that the Knicks know, because they're not dumb, they cannot win this appeal. No. Appeals are not won based on bad calls. That's not what they're there for. They're there for, for the misapplication of rules. So I want to give you a specific example. The last time a um, an appeal was upheld and they had to restart a game, was when the officials gave Shaquille O'Neal a sixth foul, and he really only had five. 
That is different than a judgment call. That mm. is a misapplication. And they have to go back and actually restart that game. Back before I understood basketball, the New Jersey Nets had a game in which a rule was misapplied, I think with the clock, and they had to go back and pick it up from that moment. In fact, the teams made trades with each other. Yeah. And they couldn't play. Like, guy played for both teams in the same game. What? And look it up. That's a rabbit hole for another day. Next wow. Sixers, uh, 79, before I was even born. Look wow. it up. True story. But that's because a rule's been misapplied. Yeah. A judgment call cannot overturn a play. No. So I just want to make that clear, just so everybody knows that. Even though the referee said that he was wrong, and right. the two-minute report also said that it was wrong. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at it's... all. But they're doing it because... Why? Okay, so here's where I, I, I counter with maybe they're badasses. And I want to give the Knicks credit. Okay. I am fair. I'm an IBO. Independent basketball observer. The New York Knicks are so disgusted by the officiating the other night that Leon Rose, James Dolan, and Tom Thibodeau said, we will pay the money that it costs. I think it's $10,000. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't seem like a lot. No. It's still $10,000. They will pay the money. Just to show the league how disgusted they are with the bad officiating, even though they know they can't win. Yeah. It would almost be like, I'm going to sue somebody knowing I can't win just to send a message that you mess with the wrong person. But it's not punitive for the referee or the referees, I'm saying plural, in different games, or the league, and the only one that's coming out of pocket are the Knicks. Right. What's the point? To show your displeasure. Okay, but you know their displeasure. It's so, another so way I'm to show you. I'm going to spend money to show you how pissed off I am. Yes. Even though I'm not, nothing's going to happen. Yes. It doesn't make any sense. Don't you think that there's no part of you that thinks that's badass? A part of me, I got to admit, thinks it's like, you know what? That's kind of badass. Yeah, I guess. And when you say it that way, I, I can see it a little bit. But I also think it's wasteful. But it's only ten grand, so it is what it is. Teak, when the wife's pissed off, that Amazon bill for the month is a little <laughs> bit higher. A couple more orders That's just to point. show the displeasure. Uh, there was a moment, and I'll give you a specific example that I think is sort of similar. Um, I'll compliment Sean Marks, even though he's been clueless lately. When the Nets were in the playoffs a few years ago against the Sixers, they were upset with calls. They were upset with the officiating. Okay. And so after a playoff game, Sean Marks went into the ref's room and screamed and yelled and slammed the door. And he got fined. And I remember people like, what's the point of this? And I was like, I think he's just being a badass. He's showing them I'm pissed off. Right. What's it going to do? And I'm telling you to your face. Right. Even though it's going to cost me. It's going to cost me money. It does nothing other than the satisfaction by SNY of me telling you, you screwed up. I think what the Knicks are doing in a very similar way to what Sean Marks did. And I admit when Sean Marks did that, I said, you know what? Badass. I like that. Show you're upset. I think the Knicks are publicly showing the world they're upset. Yeah. So instead of the, screaming at a post-game yeah. press conference, they're like, you know what? We're going to make you do something. We're going to make you work. We're going to make you hear this appeal that we know Got there's it. no chance you're overturning right. so, just to show you. So that's the pain that's inflicted upon the league is that they have to hear the appeal. Right. They have to go through the process of hearing it. They have even to though, hear. The, even though we all know what's going to happen. They have to hear the protest. They yes. can't just... Dismiss it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so sense. I think I'm going to decide on badass. Like I think yeah. I'm going to give the next credit. I think I would say badass too. Okay. Good. I convinced you. You did. As long you as did. you don't think out there this thing's going to be overturned, they're going to play in overtime. I mean, like, that's, that's not happening. I don't think that's the point. It's it's not because right. it can't. It, that's not how it would happen. It would have to happen if it, see. Here's how it would happen. Jalen Brunson fouls out and he didn't really foul out. 
Yeah, uh, dude, if that that's what happened with uh, Shaquille O'Neal. I'm telling you, that was the last game that ever got protested, and it was upheld, where they went back and played the game. Or maybe if they had a challenge, and they say they didn't have a challenge, and they would have been able to challenge it, is that a way to I think it? that's a great point. I think that here's the problem with that. Yes, I think you're right. Makes sense? Now, we didn't have that back then, but let's say that happened. Right. And the league's like, no, no, you didn't have a challenge. Does the league say, okay, we approve it, but now we have to review it because just because we have to review it, but we've already come out and admitted it was a bad call, right. it was a mistake, and right. then you would play overtime. Then you'd play overtime. There's yeah. an example now with the challenges that could be an upheld. I think you're right. I can only say think because we've never seen it before. Yeah. But that would be the misapplication of a rule. Like, you had a challenge, you didn't give it to me. You need to give me the challenge. Or maybe also, too, by protesting this, maybe it gets the conversation going of changing the challenging rules, maybe adopting something the NFL does, final yeah. two minutes. I don't think that does it. I think that's something you got to do at the end of the season. And by the way, it's a fair point to have. I think it's the Knicks having a public hissy fit and doing it and saying, all right, okay, you guys screwed us up. Because, look, I understand any Knicks fan who says the two-minute report doesn't make me feel better, Malloy's apology doesn't make me feel better. Yeah, we get that. I disagree in that I think it's great when people are held accountable. Yep. Like, I think it's great that the league is admitting they made a mistake. I think that's far better than the league not saying anything. Right. I know and, it doesn't give you the them, win. And enforcing them to be upset because you're not even acknowledging that you messed up. Plus, your fans right. are pissed, and this is the team saying, you know what, we hear that you're pissed, we're going to do this because yeah. this is our only course of action. So it, it makes the fans feel at least a little bit better. Yeah, I give the Knicks credit. I think that would give them a 7 out of 10 on the badass meter. Now, with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.